When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply being strangled literally like i saw another part of myself leap across the room to kill this part of myself because it hated that mm -hmm. part of myself and that is what internally occurs when i'm say you're making a mountain out of molehills like i will kill you yeah. shut up disappear you don't exist you are dead <laughs> can i start it off yeah hit it me i wanted to thank everyone who donated to charity water wow 15 grand which is a lot of people getting water for 10 years. So yes. thank you guys very, very much. It's awesome. I saw one comment that was, is this Patreon? <laughs> which I assume was from a podcast person. So no, it is not Patreon. We appreciate it all the same. And in fact, I would say that you gave it to an even better cause. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, the Charity Water and the Patreon are actually separate. But no, thanks to everyone that donated. It's awesome. You guys are changing lives. So yeah. it's very cool. Second thing, not a sponsor, but I was wearing the shirt. So I figured I'd shout them out. Mm -hmm. Uh, my friend's company, Mind Bloom, they do legal psychedelic experiences and they can do it if you live in, I asked them ahead of time, New York, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Florida, and California. So we talk about psychedelics a lot. Most of them are illegal. So when people ask, how can I experience this? The answer is, I'm not allowed to tell you, mm -hmm. but go to Mind Bloom. And if you live in one of those states, you can legally experience psychedelics. Cool. Uh, okay. So let's hop into it. L Big week in YouTube news, which is the world that I keep up with. <laughs> there, uh, well, I guess two weeks. Jenna Marbles canceled herself. Yep. Shane Dawson was fully demonetized. Mm. Uh, previously, we'd mentioned this happened before. Miranda Sings came out and had to apologize. So what I wanted to talk about philosophically, I don't know the answer to this. So this is why I wanted to speak to you. When I was watching Jenna Marbles, she uh, was apologizing and clearly personally upset by a, a broad range of things and she was uh taken down and then moved removed herself because in one video she did blackface though i believe her answer excuse whatever was that she was actually wearing spray tan or something yeah, yeah. Like she wasn't that. doing she wasn't trying to do she, blackface. No she just had a bad tan yeah. and did a Nicki minaj and did him yes at the same time yeah uh so wasn't not only wasn't intending to didn't like not that she didn't understand what blackface was but also was just intending to make herself look tan in her life yeah. so it had it was unrelated to the impression as far as we understand uh and in addition to that it had a rap song where there was a phrase about asian people which i don't know what it was it was like ching chong ding dong something something huge dong know. huge dong just to be clear okay in any event well i just want to make it clear she was she did broken not say up anything. and upset and this is what people went at her. And then she said, there's other things that I need to apologize for. In addition to that, one, I slut shamed on some of my videos. And in another, several other videos, I did the differences between boys and girls. And that was a very popular YouTube thing. Like boys be like, girls be like this. Yeah. And you know, and she said, I, I'm so sorry to anyone that I offended because people struggle with their sexual identity and saying that, I don't know, I don't wanna uh, misquote her, but essentially, Highlighting that there are differences between boys and girls is very upsetting to, to a certain group of people. Mm -hmm. And my thought in watching her delete more than half of her views on YouTube, privating them, was... And she's not making videos anymore. No longer making videos, is that it seemed like her philosophy was, if someone is offended by something that I have done, 
then I have done something wrong. Mm -hmm. To me, that seems untenable. Yeah, yeah. So, dude, this is literally the first thing I wrote down about talking about today. So she said, I want to apologize if I ever offended any of you. Mm -hmm. She has 20 million subscribers. Some of her videos... Has been viewed over 3 billion times, I believe. So when I was a kid, I used to cry when I lost a board game. Mm -hmm. I was offended that I had been defeated. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. Does that mean that because I was a sore loser, people were wrong to not let me win? Well, that that if Jenna Marbles had beat you, that she would owe you an apology. That's what I'm saying, right? And then I want to say, so there's somewhere there's a black person that thinks that no one should use the N-word, right? That's a fine view to have. Yeah. Should that person be able to cancel every musician that has ever used the N-word? Because that is his view, because he or she is offended, right? Well, if this is our our philosophy, right? If anything you create offends a single individual, you should apologize for it and delete it. We will have to delete everything that has ever been created. There basically. will not be a word able to be uttered, period. Yeah. So I think I think that she, it's very nice that she's so sensitive. She is allowed to have whatever personal view she wants. Mm-hmm. If this is how she feels she wants to live her life, that's fine. Delete all your videos. But the world cannot possibly take this as a universal rule. That mm-hmm. if anyone is offended by something, it must be deleted. Because you would literally have to delete every hip-hop song. You'd have to... I mean, anytime anyone was being unreasonably upset, you'd have to take them as the ultimate arbiter of what was right and wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's the person who is most upset who dictates what is able to be said in any given context. Yeah. Or so I, I think as a society, we just have to accept that a certain percentage of people are allowed to be offended by something. Well, this is my question. So I actually don't have the answer and I want to discuss it with you. Under what circumstances should one apologize for offending someone else? Mm-hmm. Uh is it a percentage thing? Is it a, I'll give you an example. So like, uh, and these these ones are challenging. There was, remember that video, you might not have seen it a while back, there were these two parents that thought it was hilarious, and I think this is, isn't hilarious. They Their kid would say, sparkling wiggles. They say, say sparkling wiggles. And it sounded like effing N-words, right? Okay. And there was this little three-year-old kid who was uttering the words that are, you know, you cannot say. But I think anybody would look at that kid and go completely innocent, you know, and like clearly there's no understanding or intent. By the kid. By the kid. Not necessarily the the parents, but by By the the kid. kid. So it seems to me that understanding and intent appear to be key words because Mm -hmm. clearly it's not just uttering certain syllables in a certain string, which if it was the case, that kid should never have a job again, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Or ever. Maybe that kid is 12 now. Well, the other other thing you say is... uh, there's got to be some sort of time constraint on this. You know what I mean? I, I think that... Well, that's well. there's there's a difference between time constraint and, um, and I want to dig into this, and age at which something was said. Because, like, take Donald Trump, for instance. Donald Trump was 60-some years old when he said what he said about grabbing by the... I'm not, I, don't, I don't know what I'm allowed to say anymore. I can't... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you all well, know what I'm said, talking about. I mean, to be clear, I actually <laughs> looked this up. I think what he said was, when you're a billionaire, women let you yes. grab them by the pussy. Yes. Which is worth being clear about. Well, I didn't know that till Andrew Schultz pointed it out in a recent mm-hmm. bit he did. I, I thought I thought what he said was, "I'm allowed to" or something, because that was what like the news had made me yes. think. Yes. So what he said it was women let you. So this grab is them. my question: is under what? And I want I can throw some tough ones out, and we can talk about it. And again, one thing I want to say is, if anybody ever wants to call in, because I know that, and it's a fair point. Ben and I, in addition, I think the thing that we have most in common is not our skin color. It is the fact that we grew up three minutes from one another and, and spent so, our whole and childhood selected to be best friends. And chose that's to the be thing. Best People friends. are like, you guys feel the same because you're white. It's like that's not true. We feel the same because we've been friends for seventeen years. Yes. We have the same cadence of speech. By the way, there we were other friends that got in and out because they yeah. weren't as 
similar. So you know what I mean, my point being, I don't care what color you are, what what uh, gender, it doesn't matter. But if you have a different opinion, especially if you have a different opinion, would love for you to call in and discuss it with us. That would be fantastic because yeah. we can uh, tend to agree. That's that's partially why we're such good friends. Mm-hmm. So, well, also we talk in between our two week episodes. Yeah. So a lot of this stuff we've already, <laughs> if we disagree, we fight about it most of the time, not on a podcast. Yes. So apologies. When is it appropriate to apologize? I'll give you an example. For, I was, I'm reading Trevor Noah's book, which is very good, by the way. Um, which one? It's his memoir, uh, Born a Crime. Born a Crime. So <laughs> story in South Africa, apparently the name Hitler is fairly normal like naming your kid Hitler or Mussolini or whatever. And it's because in South Africa, Hitler was understood in the black community to just be like this tough guy that uh, the allies had to conscript people to fight against. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's like, oh, wow, they needed the blacks to kill Hitler. Hitler must be pretty tough. You know, <laughs> like, like, so it's just a name. And nobody, and Trevor's like, I never thought anything of it. So mm. Trevor's a DJ and Hitler is the best dancer. And so he DJs and then Hitler comes on stage and they go, go Hitler, go Hitler, go. <laughs> and they all chant and it's fine, right? They're, they're doing black parties, etc. They get, because he's becoming more famous, there's a Jewish community and they say, Trevor, will you come DJ our thing? Now, by the way, these are people who have moved to South Africa as a result. We got lights going on, by the way. <laughs> it's all good. Sorry, I forgot about this. <laughs> our checklist. Our checklist. Our checklist has failed us. <laughs> um, so Trevor goes to the thing, to this Jewish community. Okay. It's going fine. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody, here he comes. Go, Hitler, go. And he's like gyrating. And he watches the audience die. And he goes, oh, my God, it's because he's gyrating. And they've never seen a black man gyrate like this before. And they're like, how you people? And he goes, oh, us people. You know, let me tell you something. We could say whatever we want. We're not going to let you tell it. So he gets this thing and he walks away. He has no idea why it happened. Now, today, if someone were to stand on a public street in America and go, go Hitler, we, we would seemingly go, it's your obligation, duty, job to know that that's not okay. Mm-hmm. But clearly there are scenarios in which something that is appears to be patently wrong and ought to be, uh, you know, shamed, shunned, etc. Well, actually, I'll go, I'll go one step further. Let's say that John Mayer just happened to have been named Hitler because his parents wanted to, right? Yeah. Not his fault. Became a famous musician. I actually think people would still... Now, the hard part for him would be getting famous. Yes. But if it were, people would go to his concerts and they would shout Hitler just as often as they shout John. Sure. So this is my question is, uh, Trevor didn't know. And I, I was thinking, I was like, what would be appropriate? If Trevor found out, the apology should be such, I didn't mean to offend you. But what I see sometimes in these YouTuber apologies is I've changed as a person. I was a bad person. And I don't think that is always appropriate because if Trevor were to go apologize to this Jewish community, the answer is not I've changed as a person. The answer is I'm the same person who tries to be kind and help people. But I didn't know that that phrase was upsetting. To yeah, you. I thought you didn't like the way he was wiggling. I, I, I didn't even understand. So for me to say I was a bad guy isn't tr- true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think I think with apologies, the thing that people have to do is be honest about their feelings about it so if you look back on something you've done which we all do by the way even yeah, yeah. like every human on the planet looks back at something they've done and regrets it right and if you get called out for that i think it's appropriate to say i regret doing that if you get called out for something what you look back on and you go at the time i couldn't possibly have known any better mm-hmm. and i was doing my best and i didn't mean to hurt anyone then i think that should be your apology because i think when you when you are dishonest 
in order to try to appease the mob, you only hurt yourself long term. I think you hurt everyone, I would say. And this is what I've seen is that in these, you know, Shane, I didn't watch the video, but Shane Dawson did a long video. One thing that I've seen in apology videos is anything short of I'm bad, I was so bad, I can't believe how bad I am, I'm going to be better is seen as an excuse. Mm -hmm. If somebody says, hey, I was dealing with a tough time in my life, making excuses. And I actually think that that instinct to say that any sort of explanation is uh, disqualifies an apology is is exactly wrong. Yeah. Well, th also, there have been successful quote unquote apologies mm -hmm. where people are just straight up honest about I'm not I'm not that upset about it. Right. Mm -hmm. Trump came out, got called out. Incredible. Should have cost him the election. Right. Leaked yeah. audio. And he, he just said well, it was locker room talk. I didn't necessarily mean it. It was mm -hmm. locker room talk, right? Then goes on to become president. Now I know yeah. a lot of people hate him, but that did not cancel him. You know what I mean? So I think that I think that it it created a mass of people that if there were any other job in America, he'd be canceled. I think honestly, it's really just the president that he lost by three million votes <laughs> that that he was able to take. But if he had a boss where fifty three percent of the population was vehemently like get this guy out, he'd have been canceled. Let's stick like you're kind of focusing on how do people respond and i'm less interested in that and more interested in when is it appropriate when is it honest when is it true you know like that sort of thing so uh well, i'd say people's apology videos should just be how they actually feel i think what people feel is oh my god i will say whatever it takes to make this stop mm -hmm. uh trevor has another story about that where he sicks his stepdad on a kid who had thrown mulberries at him and he watches this kid and he says, when I watched him apologize, it was like he was apologizing for every bad thing he'd done in his life. You know what I mean? It was like in the sense that he, his stepdad went and whooped the crap out of this kid. And he realized this kid isn't apologizing for what he did to me. He doesn't feel bad about what he did to me. He wants the beating to stop mm. and he will apologize. He will say whatever you want to say. And I think unfortunately what's Trevor's happening- Trevor's adult stepdad beat up a child? Yeah. Trevor's adult stepdad, I think then later shot his mom in the head. So he's got a crazy life story. Wow. It's It's- consistently fascinating I'm not, i haven't gotten to that part yet but i saw it in a stand-up so in I'm any surprised. Event, yes uh yeah he was an alcoholic i believe he later shot his mom interesting yeah. i saw a stand-up he's, he's got a crazy life I, man. I, it seemed like he just talked about his paternal dad and and his mom and that he's things got were a good. lot to talk about man i mean I, I i get obviously he's talented he is such an interesting life story just by the time he was 18 it was like well <laughs> You've, you've had quite Did his experience. dad die? No, his dad... No, he, he reconnected with his dad. His dad... Okay, so we're, not, we're all over the place. we got to come back to apologies. But Trevor Noah's dad was a white guy. His mother was a black woman. Yeah. She propositioned his father and said, I want a baby. I want you to be the dad. Don't worry, you don't have to take care of it. He resisted at first. She said, no, I'm going to do this. She got her Trev, pregnant with Trevor. Why did he, she want that? She was, she is like an iconoclast. She just like decided what she wants. She was a, a black woman living in a, night, a white neighborhood. She was like was fearless. Uh, and this is at a point where it's literally a crime to have sex with someone who was not of your skin color in South Africa. And so they do this. She gets pregnant. He then is like, I can't not have this kid in my life. But he tells the stories of like when they're walking, his dad has to run away from him. He thinks it's a game because if the police see a little black boy calling a white man dad, the dad mm -hmm. will go to jail for five years. Mm -hmm. um, and it's even worse for the black side of that. His mother would definitely go to jail. Um, and so his life is just, it's this crazy, that's what, it's born a crime, right? Mm -hmm. So he's, he's, they're hiding him and sticking him with a maid that is, is a similar color so that they can like be together for short periods of time. But mostly he has to, uh, pretend not to be his mom's pretend not to be his dad's doesn't really understand what's happening wow. so 
that's all going on and it's it just some of these stories of, of what a different cultural upbringing can do to someone's understanding of the world was making me think about all these apologies um for instance like sorry you're and you're equating shane dawson to the kid being beat up in the sense that shane's just trying to say whatever he's gonna say whatever and he'll say by the way the words that'll come out will be like i'm so bad i'm a monster i didn't get it i didn't get it but i do think that when then when i'm um and even an internet mob doesn't have to be physically threatening descends upon a person which you are not getting is reflection and all by the way you block the path to reflection when you say don't explain because the first thing the person needs to do to understand themselves and perhaps feel genuine sorrow for what they've done is to go well how did this happen why did this happen what was going on in my head what was i trying to do but people say i don't want to hear that all that you can do that is potentially acceptable is say that past you is a monster and you completely disown disavow don't understand that person and you will never be like that again which weirdly enough gets verbal compliance from people who say the right thing, but does not address the root issue that when that I would propose is not the words that were said, but like the fact that we take groups of people in our jokes and put them down. And that group of people that you're not allowed to put down has shifted over time. Right now, totally cool to shit on Karens, which is white women who are acting unreasonable. Mm -hmm. But like, who knows? I wouldn't, I don't think it's crazy that in two years, Karen could be a no-no word, right? And I think the same thing happened throughout. Uh, this, is, this is the point that I think a lot of people are trying to make poorly, is that the jokes they were telling that are unacceptable today Everyone's pretending like they weren't alive back then when they were completely so socially sanctioned mm -hmm. to make a joke about a gay person. I mean, like, gay was the number one playground insult in our school. And people seem to pretend that they don't remember that time or couldn't possibly have been caught on tape saying yeah. something to that nature. And the answer isn't, no, I've changed, I've learned. It's, no, I've just switched the words and the groups of people that I put down. Now I put down Karens. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now I put down uh republicans now i put down democrats whatever it is and so what i see is that people haven't changed they've just learned oh no the words have migrated and i will just say whatever it takes to stay within the good graces of the of the yes and no words while finding some out group to shame put down and shit on um and i think that's it misses the point of mm -hmm. the apology which is to like oh wow i find ways to separate myself from people stand above them and crack jokes at them that isn't really nice. <laughs> it makes them feel crappy. Uh, but I haven't seen any apologies that seem to recognize that complexity. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. So when should one apologize? And this is my question. When do you hit a critical threshold? You set a percentage of people that are upset enough that one ought to apologize. If It's not one person. I agree. If you have three billion views and one person goes, hey, when you said the word uh, dog, I think that's demeaning to animals. What they prefer to be called is canine companions. And that's not a, you know, your pet. How demeaning could that be? That's, that's your companion, whatever. Sure. That would, to me, be absurd. So how does one know when a critical threshold has been met when an apology is warranted and appropriate? No idea. I don't know. <laughs> what is there? So what should we do? What should anyone do? If you're a public figure that has said things in the past that obviously some group of people don't like, how do you pick and choose which spots to which you are sorry uh, or, or that are worthy of an apology? Well, I think you would know what you actually regretted. Well, no, they don't. Because what I am seeing is people pretending that they knew that the things they were saying is bad. It's like if in but you five... don't think when the cameras are off and they're with their friends, some of them go, man, I really did. 
mess think, up and you don't think others go like no. man this mob's insane so this so uh, people i think that blackface is an example of something that people did not recognize was offensive in many cases mm-hmm. i mean you look at justin trudeau smiling at that party like i don't think he walked in there and was like wow i'm gonna be really edgy now and like and no, make a call back think, to a minstrel you don't think series. that right now when he's talking to his wife he knows if he actually regrets doing that or not i think he is rewritten the past to go i should have known better which is to say justin at the time you may have never heard of a minstrel series didn't know the connotations of it didn't realize that it was upsetting to other people and in the same way that the people trevor noah didn't realize the hitler thing you didn't realize that now does that mean that you can't say oh shit i'm sorry i didn't realize to offend you that's totally on the table but to go i was a bad man and i've changed is completely dependent upon what you understood and knew at the time well, where you had committed the. That's yeah, what yeah. I'm saying. He should, uh, the, whether... I think people are lying. I think Jenna Marbles is going. I can't believe I made jokes. What kind of a person was I to make a joke about the differences between boys and girls? It's like Jenna, pause. Lying to themselves. I think they're lying to themselves. I think in an attempt to be accepted by society, which says the only way to come back into our graces is to completely disown that self the well, that Jenna, past self jenna's an interesting example though because she was not being canceled like no she's the majority the majority of her fans would love for her to keep making videos yes. so i actually think she is not trying to appease a mob necessarily i think she's trying to appease some sort of internal thing i think she's internalized the the that ethos of if anyone is offended that's a bad thing and if anyone is offended then i should have known better as opposed to I mean, the difference between guys and girls, that was one of the most popular styles of YouTube video at the time. Yeah. I don't think if you had asked her in that moment, do you realize that this is upsetting people? She would go like, yeah, but I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, but today, I think we look back and it's just shame. And it's, I don't think shame is appropriate for Trevor Noah going Hitler. I think, oh, wow, I, was, I didn't recognize. Like, mm-hmm. of course I can't know everything that's upsetting. Do you know the most upsetting person in South Africa? The name that would probably piss people off if you did it, if you named your son this? Of course you don't. But if you named your son Cecil Rhodes, because you liked that name, you wouldn't be an evil person. But that's like the worst thing that you could have named. That's the Adolf Hitler of, of South Africa, at least mm-hmm. according to Trevor Noah. And this idea that we are um, idiots or foolish or should have known the things that upset other people I think is untenable and I think what we ought to do is recognize I am sorry you know to the degree to which I have upset you that was not my intent and I want to make that clear and I'm sorry that that happened mm-hmm. but I'm also unwilling to say I am a I was a bad person at that moment in time like I won't continue to do it because I recognize that it's upsetting yada 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 uh, and then additionally my question is yeah, I've asked you this. How many people have to be upset before you go, I won't do that anymore? Like, let's say that the next thing is that you can't call your dog a pet. You're not yeah. allowed to call him a pet. At what point do you say, I accept that? That you shouldn't do that? Yes. Going forward or in the, that I should apologize for my past? No, no, going forward. At what point do you stop referring to your dog as a pet? Because people have determined that the word pet, not people, some people, and then a growing amount of people. Like, how does one know when that tipping point has been reached where, okay, this this series of words is now a bad series of uh, or sounds yeah, yeah. well i mean i'm i just try to avoid the hassle you know what i mean so it's no difference to me if i call someone if i call my dog a pet or a canine companion so i would just switch to mm-hmm. canine companion to avoid the headache got it and so would you and i think this is the danger that some people feel is that that um 
and I don't know what the reason is, but there's an argument to be made that there are some people that are controlling and, and upset about language. It's mm -hmm. not simply about, hey, like, you know, I had a canine companion and it was really sensitive. It's, I like to see at some level the power that I can exert mm -hmm. over other people. So now you've jumped this high, I'd like you to change what you say about X, Y, and the other thing. And here's the thing, when you're dealing with society at large, you might get one person that doesn't want you to say pet, another person that thinks the word pillow is offensive, another person that thinks that, you know, and so now your entire vocabulary needs to change to suit one person. So that seems untenable. Well, to not just, just, no, no, not one person doesn't give me a headache. Well, it's one person, uh, it's a it's hundred different words. Yeah, but one, one person, person doesn't like the word pillow. Okay, let's That's say it's not 10 a... of very loud people who get very loud in your face and then an article is written about it. So again, like this is, I think, the trouble. Is well, this that... is what I'm saying. I would just make my decision based on what, my li what was happening in my life. Got it. So you would wait to see who caused the most trouble. Before I changed my language? Yes. Unless someone had a good... I mean, the other thing is they could have a good argument for yeah. why pillow is wrong. Mm -hmm. Someone could actually convince me that a word was bad, at which point I would stop using it. So I think... And I understand what you're saying. I think it's incredibly practical in the short term. I think this is... Um, part of the difficulty in it and that what we've sort of individually said is the loudest most grievance filled person is the one that will dictate how i behave mm -hmm. that is happening yes and i wonder at what point you have to go i'm going to say pillow or i'm going to say pet and I, you know what i mean like i'm not going to continue to to march down this path of like what language and i am going to expect you the individual society at large to listen for my intent yeah you know yeah. what i mean to like well i think all public figures are different in their personal and their public lives <laughs> yeah. as well you know what i mean so mm -hmm. i think there's people who say certain things when they're in private and then don't say them when they're in public when they're on camera mm -hmm. well one thing i guess this is where i tentatively landed for myself is that i am going to try to listen as best i can for intent and that also includes for the people who i think are uh canceling aggressively in what i think they shouldn't be doing but I'm trying to positively see the intent is like, okay, they're trying to make people like them feel better, safer. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think everybody's just trying to feel better. I think people are misguided in how they go about it. Um, but to me, it seems that uh, that a handful of phenomena are coming together. One, the people that happen to have cameras on them 10 years ago because they had blogs and YouTube videos are being unfairly scapegoated mm -hmm. for shit that was so incredibly common back then and wasn't socially considered wrong and if you subscribe as i do to the idea that morality most of it is just a social construct where everybody weighs in and votes at that point what they were doing was socially completely accepted mm -hmm. uh, so i think the people are pretending that they wouldn't weren't doing that thing and are going oh she's the witch <laughs> you know um and i think that individuals like us are uh, in an attempt in our own life, what you would do is just say, oh, who's upset? Um, oh yeah, Aunt Tia, I, I won't say that word if it upsets you. We're taking that heuristic, which works in friends, and we're trying to scale it to mass communication. And I don't think it works where you can wait for the loudest voice to say, I don't like this, and then just adjust, 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 because I don't think it stops. Um, and so anyway, I, ha I haven't come to a conclusion on this, if anybody wants to Colin, Justin, by the way, do you have any thoughts on this? Because you're, you're the only third voice that we have in the room right now. Um, I'm in a similar boat as Ben. I think, to me, the effort to make someone happy by just changing my language is so minimal on my part. Like, mm -hmm. Why not just do it? Um, but I think it's also fair to say that, for example, like if somebody who's from the transsexual community doesn't like being called a tranny, then I'd change my language immediately, look into it, the history, 
you know, the violence of the word and then kind of make your own read on what you believe to be truth and not. Got it. I guess so what I, I think what you highlighted is one of the difficult things is you said the history of the word. I think one reading Trevor Noah's books, what I realized is that every individual has a different history of every word such that the name Cecil Rhodes in South Africa has a violent connotation and the name Adolf in most of the other world and Hitler in most of it has so that if you were to go well what's the history whose history is the question your history with that word my history with that word uh, a voting community's history um well in both instances why can't you just say to avoid both those names because there might be no names left if you take if you take the words that like if you take the names that are um upsetting like okay my dad for instance if this isn't true was killed by a man named mark please don't name your kid mark and like well actually ben's like my dad had his identity stolen by a guy named steve so definitely don't call your kids you know and, and at this point when you are uh treating every individual's preference as if it needs to dictate how you speak there will very quickly be very little left that you can say without upsetting anyone i thought we were talking in regards to a uh, group's more like well this is the question so now you're saying that there's got to be a voting block of people right a group of people and so that's my question how big does that group have to be at which point you take it so you wouldn't it wouldn't matter to you that ben's dad and i'm not saying you you mm -hmm. probably might not but like if ben's like hey justin whatever you do don't name your kid steve or don't say the word steve around me it's really touchy subject you'd be like well ben you're not a group well if it's traumatic to ben i just wouldn't just wouldn't say i'd say like mr mm -hmm. jobs inventor of apple <laughs> that's a good way yeah. <laughs> and i and i and i think that makes sense in a one-to-one -one because you only have so many personal connections um and those you got 20 friends you got 20 Max. friends 20 they're gonna ixnay 20 things and and i remember this happened with us when our friend like i said gay was the number one mean thing you could say to someone and then our friend came out and we still did it and he's like no i don't care i don't care and then about three months later he's like by the way i do care please don't say the word gay. And it's like, oh, well, for my friend whose name I won't say, like, yes, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. you're my friend. I Ironically, won't... he says a word very similar to fig now <laughs> but because he's in that group. It's totally cool. Um, but I get it. I think on a personal level, I, what I'm seeing is that people are trying to, and I think this is part of the issue, is that I think your instinct is the right one. If there is a word that is upsetting to Ben, you're just like, I'm just not going to say it in front of him. The problem is when you have a platform that reaches millions of people, and it's just a million Bens, you know, it's just a million people like Ben with their own preferences. How does one cope with that level of, please don't say this, also this, also this. It's kind of like trying to decide what restaurant to go to with three people versus the entire planet. Um, so I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or... <clears throat> I think it'd be easier to make a case for why someone should not name their kid Adolf Hitler than like Steve something. You know what I mean? Not not if you were um, living in South Africa in the black community. That's what I realized in reading Trevor Noah's book. Like Cecil was obvious to people. You know, see, like, and if you want to have objective measures, must have killed X million people. You know, then we can look at that. But also the name, you know, what most people wouldn't. Okay, maybe the last name Pot because of Pol Pot. And so like the word Pot is offensive to people in Cambodia. Like a lot of people might not recognize that and know that, but they're, so go ahead. And so I don't, I don't want to over talk you. I mean, my point is just, if you, if you learn it, then just don't, if you learn it and it's a violent thing, just don't, don't so, use it. I don't, I mean, what if all, you think someone's being unreasonable? Um, I guess that's what I mean by you'd have to look into it and make your own read. Mm -hmm. Um, cause obviously with like the pillow, uh, example, I would probably look into the history of the word pillow and like maybe pillows were 
like originally named after like Some a prop in like minstrels <laughs> shows or something yeah then i'd be like oh then i probably will just not use that word yeah so i guess um to me what it seems like we're doing is and I'd like to hear what you think about this is so concerned about languaging and signaling that we're good people and so unconcerned with like the fact that people don't have water for instance mm-hmm. you know like wouldn't it to me it's the effort that you might spend researching pillow and then the word pot and then the word Steve and then the word mark to try to understand how not to offend people mm-hmm. which one I think is an impossible task at scale and two could be better used to going you know what I am not going to take responsibility for the offense that you've taken in every scenario. I'm going to invite you to try to read my intent and recognize that when I said the word Steve or pillow or pot or whatever it was, I wasn't trying to hurt you. And I'm going to use the free time that I've made to mentor uh, an underprivileged kid, to work at a soup kitchen, to just work at my job and then donate money to a cause that is necessary. And I think what I'm seeing is a lot of language signaling kindness and good and, compo- and compassion and care and not a lot of compassion and care. Does that make sense? Yeah, I feel like, though, that um, choosing to not use a word is an example of compassion and care. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the, at the end of it, both those things aren't really exclusive. It just seems like it's a product of just like human empathy. Yeah. Um, well, you touched on something that I want to... Can we pivot off? Sure. sure. So you, Thank you, Justin. Yeah. We you, appreciate you. You touched on something that I think is interesting, which is how much of uh, what people do today to quote-unquote help is virtue signaling mm-hmm. versus actually helpful. That reminds me of the, this direct message you got on Instagram, which I wanted to bring up, Yeah. where somebody basically accused you of being racist because you didn't have a black square, mm-hmm. right? The all-black square. Uh, a couple things. You have not posted since your birthday of last year right Mm -hmm. it's not like you're active on instagram two the last thing you did post was about a fundraiser that you and i were running for charity water we do that because it's one of the most cost effective ways to save lives but if you're super hung up on specifically black lives matter all the people this helps are black because it's (laughs) in africa so somebody wrote you furious because you did not post a black square Mm -hmm. on your instagram and your very first Instagram post is raising water or raising money for clean water in Africa. And it got me thinking that that guy doesn't want, he's not, he doesn't care <laughs> that you're helping people or not helping people. What he wants is to see signaling. And I think we've gotten a little bit mixed up between what's actually helpful and what's posturing. You know what I mean? Like I know a lot of people who will post things on social media purporting to care about a cause, but they're not donating to that cause or volunteering for that cause Mm -hmm. and i think we've we've gotten confused as a society we've like gotten lost as to what's actually helpful and what is actually just meant to make ourselves feel good and feel like we are good people yeah you know what i'm saying so i think that the missing foundation for him and that I'd, i'd need to and try to reflexively put back on myself is that he wasn't apparently interested in understanding me Mm -hmm. he was interested in if i behaved in a way that he could control Right? Like, did you do what I want you to do? Was mm-hmm. his question. And the answer was no, I didn't do what he wanted me to do. He was not interested in finding out, you know, let's say that I hadn't done that. I mean, am I active in my community? Do I take care of my sick and dying father? Do I, you know, he was not interested in understanding. And what I think the problem is, is that, you know, people of my opinion can also then go, well, I understand that person completely. They just want to burn down the world and control people, which is, you know, maybe granted truth, but it's like, no, I need to understand him. And I think if I spoke to him, what I would find, is that he's suffering. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you don't write that message unless you are hurt 
and upset. And we can argue that he doesn't have the right to be hurt or upset at me, but that doesn't change the point that he's hurting. Yeah. Uh, and so he, in the same way that I have an explanation, like, like hey, man, I, I really do try to help. I, I think he probably has things in his own life. And what is missing, and this is what my biggest issue with the apologies, is I would ask anybody to, when you receive an apology from a friend or a family member and you think they're making excuses, ask yourself if this is just an opportunity for them to understand themselves and why they did what they did and for you to, in turn, understand them. Because I do think that everything that anybody's ever done, including that message, is to try to feel good, is to try mm-hmm. to feel better, you know? And like in his own way, he thinks that he's making the world a better place in doing that. So we have a lot more in common <laughs> than, yeah, yeah. than, than Well, I guess what I'm trying to say is people should, uh, should ease up on their snap judgments about who is and isn't doing good in the world and 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 i take that to myself and go i have to ease up on that guy sure. like my initial reaction well, i'm easing I, up dude i have his instagram oh, i could yeah, put yeah. him on blast yeah, 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 and i could yeah, yeah, sick yeah. an angry mob on no him. no i was i'm uh, choosing not to well, so what i'll I'm, say is i was I'm being compassionate sure sure no i mean well i wasn't i'll say this i wasn't compassionate in my head and in my heart when i got that i was furious sure. and i wouldn't have actually punched him but in my mind i was like you motherfucker <laughs> like i was so angry um because it was it was like oh wow and the thing that he promised me he was very excited to cancel me and start a whole thing and i was a like a movement against a me, movement yeah. against me to which i went i will punch you harder you know in, yeah, yeah. in my head which is hilarious because if you actually care about anything like <clears throat> we literally just did another fundraiser like this guy's anger he's so angry that he's blind is what i'm saying yes and he's yeah. lashing out so am i is what i realized <laughs> and i and i and i it's not in a false equivalency. I actually think as I sit down and I went, what overcame me in that moment where he wrote that? It was, I sat down, I was like, he told me that he was trying to kill me, essentially. He told me that he was trying to take away my livelihood, end my thing, and he was going to do it for what I thought was a empty reason. Yeah. And so my reaction to that was, oh yeah, I'll kill you. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Um, and so I became, for a period, blindly angry. And that's what I, like, the, the, it's, it's a vicious circle when, when people don't attempt to understand one another, is sure. what I'm seeing. And so I participate in that vicious circle. And even by pointing out, well, this guy did it first, that doesn't really help break the circle. No, but cut yourself some slack. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, guy, not, this guy... Well, he's completely wrong. He's completely wrong, but I can still try to understand him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying... I mean, we've got 100,000 plus people on our email list. We've got millions of subscribers. We wanted to... If you actually want to do violence on this guy, you could sick thousands of people on him like you got angry then you breathed into it you felt your feelings sure he could have showed up in my house and stabbed me and he didn't you know all he did was send me a message which was ultimately harmless Mm -hmm. you know um so he deserves again he deserves the same thing and i'm not saying that we are the same he and i i'm just saying that the same emotional things that set him off are are akin to the ones that set me off and send me in a similar direction as him unless i do it unless i do the the opposite of what he did well, this is the interesting thing about cancel culture and censoring speech, right? Is you have so many people that are angry on both sides mm-hmm. and an inability to communicate. Because if you say something that you think is factual or you think is helping the conversation, but that someone finds offensive, mm-hmm. you will be canceled for trying to further the dialogue. So what you have is angry people on all sides who won't let the other side communicate and mm-hmm. therefore they are incapable of reaching common ground. Yep. Yeah. I... Uh... What's interesting is that I was thinking of this in terms of democracy mm-hmm. and how this is actually, in some ways, if you like democracy, it's a good thing because democracy is power of the people, right? And previously, like a judge had to declare you guilty <laughs> and that is no longer the case. 
-hmm. you can be fired from your job, removed from public discourse, etc., if the people decide that that is the case. Mm -hmm. And what technology has done is it's distributed a ton of power to the people. Now, what's great about that is power to the people, more checks and balances, etc. What's bad about that is that the institutions like, and I wrote these down, let me see if I can find them. Um, I'll have to dig it up in a second. Well, I'll give you one. Our court system is our set court up. System, yeah. Our court system is set up so that you have a plaintiff, uh, you have a prosecutor and a defendant, right? Mm -hmm. The prosecutor's job is not to try to get to the truth. It is to prosecute. And the defendant's job is not to decide if his client is guilty or innocent. It is to the best of his ability to defend his client. And then the judge, having studied law, takes these this person's best attempt to prove this person guilty, this person's best attempt to prove this person innocent, with all of the facts at their disposal over a long period of time and then makes a decision. The court of public opinion does not do that. Most mm -hmm. people are in a news echo chamber. They are not getting all the facts. People are uh, casting their vote without this setup that we have, which is meant to get to a fair outcome. Mm -hmm. And so instead, there's no there's no more evidence. There's no more uh, trial. It's just I read an article. I found it convincing. I cast my vote, which yep. you would never allow a jury to do. You'd never allow a juror to go, hold on. I don't need to hear any more from the defendant. I already know he's guilty. Yeah. You can pause the evidence. Yeah. I don't care. Mm -hmm. But that's what the public opinion is allowed to do. And I don't think the public has, uh, as an entity, recognized the immense power that we wield, or if they have, they're enjoying. Oh, they're that. loving it. Yeah, they're yeah. loving it. They don't want due process. So, so this is what I realized is that we've had these slow developing, and they're still messed up. These systems that have built in things like you know, you mentioned the court system, which has habeas corpus, innocent until proven guilty. Both sides get to speak. You've got journalism and journalism has problems, but like you're expected and taught to check your sources, try to ask for both sides, put things in quotations so that people are misquoted. And all of these things are abused, right? Yeah, yeah. well, journalism's this. gone, I think, down the toilet sure, in terms of but which those is, things. Sure, but like almost which is going to be worse, a Twitter journalism, which we, you know, where people just make shit up completely, mm -hmm. like the Justin Bieber accusations that came out this other week, or a journalist which at least ostensibly has to try to get yeah, a yeah. quote. Even well, if that's they, the thing. If I could if I could do one, well, I don't know if this is the case, but one of the things I'd love to do if I had a magic wand is just convince people just because you read it online, it's not true. And in fact, you should assume it's false. Mm -hmm. immediately there was a reddit post about this 14 year old kid who pretended to have a brain tumor for car yeah, and then at the end he said edit haha you suckers i don't have a brain tumor i just love karma ha 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 and it's like people were 100 percent convinced that this kid had cancer and then mm -hmm. in hindsight you're like well it was obvious he wasn't able to literally yeah. couldn't define what a tumor is this is happening what people don't realize is this is happening to you all the time but yeah, the yeah. people don't admit that it's fake mm -hmm. so i i wish that people would just be more skeptical about everything that they read listen to watch when it comes to the internet because so much of it is purposefully deceptive sure. rather than trying to pursue truth it's meant to convince you of whatever it's convincing you of mm -hmm. and i and what's interesting and this is kind of my sense is that that is uh expanded in the age of the internet, but it's been true in a courtroom, right? The, the guy would sit there who killed the guy and he would go, no, I was, and he would lie to you. Mm -hmm. And so that was why we built these systems of judges and jurors and due process and evidence-based things. And, oh, that's circumstantial. That must be thrown out. Or mm -hmm. I object, all that kind of stuff in order to account for this. And these systems have evolved slowly. So the ones that I wrote down are uh, the journalist, obviously the court system, well, this uh, is what politicians who, who have rules and regulations, philosophers who are told to question their beliefs, police who have to read you your Miranda rights. And what's weird is that we are now as a society, individually, all playing the role of judge, politician, philosopher, policeman, 
with none of the systems and training that go into place for those people such that it's like there's an accusation hashtag believe like that person well, you're, is, is you're done. saying what i'm saying though, which is you're saying that exactly what a, you're saying a yeah. defendant uh someone who is on trial will lie to a judge and the judge has to have skepticism there and what mm -hmm. i'm saying is that today on the internet when all of us read or listen to something yep. that makes us feel good or supports something we want to believe we throw our skepticism away and when i don't we think read, we ever had it this is so well, when we read or watch something that goes against what we believe ah. our skepticism is at 110 percent and i think that that's a that's a very dangerous thing that everybody mostly is guilty of and I, I think the number one thing that people could do is when they read something that makes them feel yeah i knew it mm -hmm. that's when you should be your most skeptical sure. and you read something that goes this can't be true you can still be skeptical but you have to acknowledge this could be just as accurate as what you what would support you totally you know what i mean and i think that's the most dangerous thing is that a judge is impartial and well, is equally skeptical we hope we hope well yeah. that's what it's supposed to be right <laughs> yeah. equally skeptical of the prosecution and the defense we are not like that in our own lives. We we let in information that we like without a single skeptical thought. Mm -hmm. And as soon as something that we don't like is presented, we attack it with our full in intellect. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I would say, yes, totally. And that's completely to be expected because we have been appointed to the role of judge without any training. We've been appointed to the, to the role of philosopher and journalist without mm -hmm. any training. We were just given a Twitter account and gone, tell everybody what happened you know and it's like do you need a source fuck no <laughs> like just yeah, say yeah, yeah. just say what you think and weirdly enough and this is i think it'll ultimately can be a good thing because it's like well if you believe in the power of democracy this is the people having power but this is what untrained uh people that are haven't haven't understood the ways in which that power can be abused in mm -hmm. the same way that the system had to slowly evolve to sort of counteract that we just have a bunch of untrained judges untrained police and i don't mean the people in suits and uniforms i mean all of us yeah. <laughs> are out there just by the seat of our pants. So it's almost completely to be expected. So yeah, to me, it's, I was thinking, I was like, wow, China doesn't have any of these problems, despite the fact that they're literally harvesting the organs of a percentage of their population. Mm -hmm. And it's because there's no democracy. Mm -hmm. They haven't given those people any power. So it was just a way for me to reframe and be like, as, as much as I think that there's issues and there's been... Um, yeah, what you would expect if the judge had no training and, sure. and the philosopher had no training. But you can no come training. up with certain, you can come up with certain helpful heuristics for yourself. Like, for instance, for me. Well, everyone needs them and you're saying them. Well, what I'm saying yeah. is like, if I see an article and their source is a Twitter, mm. I just go, this is garbage. And yeah. I just run away from it. Yeah. That's a helpful thing I didn't do a year ago. Yeah. A year ago, I would have found an article and it said, people something, something, something. And it would show six tweets and I would go, wow, this is how the people world. People are saying. This is how the world feels. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I found yeah. it compelling. And yeah. I have learned over the last year. Uh, that this is garbage. This is just six random individuals out of seven billion. And now, honestly, anyone who tries to use a random person's tweet to support their argument is arguing in bad faith. And so I just try to run from it. Like, that's a rule. I think people can try to arm themselves to be better judges, yeah. to be better politicians. And that's, you are mirroring the process that the court system had to go through where they're like, they were, I'm sure they at one point were convicting people based on circumstantial evidence. And like, wait a second. We have to have a way to throw that circumstantial evidence out because it is persuasive, but not definitive in terms mm -hmm. of proof. So then you can, you know, oh, let's have the system of objections whereby you can say, yeah, yeah. strike that from the record, you know, it's But the most important thing is individuals have to decide that they care more about the truth than having held the right belief in the past. So this is the toughest part. And now we're kind of, we're, I think finally all the things we're saying are making sense. When you create a system of intense punishment, 
people cannot strive for the truth. They can only strive to get out of pain, mm -hmm. right? So like, I, this is what I see in a lot of these apology videos is not an honest reflection. It's a day or two later, I'm so sorry. So it's like, you, you can't be. All you can be is fearful in mm -hmm. that moment. I think in order to be genuinely contrite, what is required is the safety, physical safety to enter into the way that someone else might feel because you feel like, no, I can handle myself. Now mm -hmm. I can check out how they feel. And then genuine sorrow and growth can occur. But if you make it such that uh, that person is done, canceled, the only thing that you will get from them is this verbal, I'm a monster, I'm sorry, I, you don't have to accept me back into the fold, but secretly, please accept me. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I don't expect any of you to forgive me because I know I have to say that, but really, I want you to forgive me. Desperately. Uh, yeah, desperately. Uh, I'm going to go away for a while, but really, I hope to come back and just keep my money. Please don't hurt me. Yeah. Like, it's, um, you just get a lot of the, the words and none of the growth, which yeah, is yeah. unfortunate. So I got a thing. People on the podcast will leave comments saying it's not fair that it's just you two talking. I had somebody come in and say that we're, uh, they were offensive. Well, I won't say what they said, but they're just basically like, you're idiots and morons and blah, blah, blah. Uh, if you feel that way, call in. <laughs> I don't know how else to get a dissenting voice on. Other we got than Justin to, here. If you ever invite. disagree, Justin, I, we got to give you more of the green light. Raise your hand if you want to hop in. But I mean, I mean this, like if you, if someone is listening and feels differently about any of the things we say, we would love to have a calm, polite discussion uh, and come to an agreement or agree to disagree, but ha I'm, we're open to alternative viewpoints. Yeah, I would, I'm, um, I'm down to change my mind. I would prefer that much more to a vitriolic comment and then hiding behind the YouTube anonymity. Um, so, Justin, come on. <laughs> as a talk. representative of everyone who has ever disagreed with us, <laughs> would you like to chime in? Uh, well, I don't know. Just, Justin has to pretend he disagrees. No, with no, us, no. Or? Only, only in, in so far as you do. Don't represent an opinion you don't hold. No, I saw both the apologies you guys are talking about. I saw um, Shane Dawson and Jenna Marbles. Yeah. I pretty much agree with what you guys are saying. I don't really like to read comments on those kinds of videos, so I don't exactly uh, know, but I can imagine the mob that went after them mm -hmm. or maybe the people who defended them. Well, yeah. Jenna's, com Jenna's comments were very upset that she was leaving. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, I didn't see Shane. I literally have no idea what Shane I has, thought has done them, or did. I thought both of them were pretty genuine. Mm -hmm. um, Jen, I think Jenna's is very genuine because no one was really asking her to leave. Right. <laughs> she she canceled it herself as far as I could tell. Yes, yes. And so I would like to talk to her. And I, she would never come on because she just doesn't want to be on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Too small. But uh, well, I think my impression from her. Sorry to cut you off. But my impression from her is um, the juice is not worth the squeeze anymore. She said, given given all this, even if 95% of the people like me, if I'm going to get a thousand people being mean to me every day, it's not worth I'll it. just take my money and go elsewhere. I'll just invest in bonds and hang out with my boyfriend and my dog. Yeah. What I would say to her is like, this isn't proof that you were a bad person. You know what I mean? Like, like if, if the standard is that you said something uh, years ago that is now socially a faux pas, like then we're all monsters, yeah. you know, like every single person. And by the way, and if you don't think you are, cause you never said any of the words, I want to submit to you that. Uh, the word retarded, which was more common when I was growing up, is now a bad word. But the, it's, it's originally was meant to distinguish a certain group of IQ below 75. There are other words for like 50 to 75, 25 to 50, 0 to 25 IQ that are imbecile, moron, uh, stupid is in there. So if you've so ever, if you ever called anyone those. imbecile, moron, or stupid, guess what? In a few years, it is very likely, if not guaranteed at this point, that those words will have become horrible no-nos. Mm -hmm. 
uh, that you ought to be canceled for. So if you have a, if you're on camera anywhere saying stupid, you're or even stupid. if you're not, I, I would just say stupid. put your pitchfork down because yes. I think a lot of people are going after people for saying things 11 years ago. And the, those people that are being so critical just weren't on camera, but they've said the word moron in their life. They've mm -hmm. said words that are currently cancelable offenses in yes. their life. Yes. Uh, and they just, it's convenient. They can attack someone they don't like and they don't happen to be on film. But I would, I would encourage them instead to just reflect on, are you guilty of this? And if so, perhaps some compassion. Yeah. Do you want to talk about oh and by the way one thing about jenna marbles though i i truly think she, the the reason she cited was because it's not fun anymore yeah which i think is interesting so i think um yeah i can understand that and and i'm guilty in the last couple of weeks because there has been so much youtube news of making it not fun for myself by paying attention to mm -hmm. jenna marbles and shane dawson and the comments and what appeared to me what we've talked about here is like this holy cow like there's this massive uprising. But the truth is that there is a silent majority out there that thumbsed up Jenna Marbles' videos, you know what I mean? <laughs> that that uh, was not upset and offended, who I think is being left out of the equation because they watched, laughed, weren't offended. Oh yeah, I mean all the top comments are saying, I'm gonna miss you, I'm so sad, I love yeah. your content. And it's like, mm -hmm. because some people made it unenjoyable for her, they're gonna, you know, be without that person that they like to follow. Yeah, and I and I don't think she owes it to anyone to stay. Quite frankly, no, if no, she's no. feeling sad, she should just get out. Because yeah. I think it, it, it's if if this is upsetting you to this degree, it should. But as an individual, I go okay. I I got to um, and we've done certain things in terms of limiting comments. I actually do read the comments sporadically on the podcast because I think generally they're super high caliber. Yeah, I like the I like um, to read the podcast comments. And but yeah, we, w one needs to learn. There's a great quote about how you cannot expect, you know, if the whole world is covered in thorns, you can try to carpet the whole world, which is to say you can try to change everyone else's opinion and make them be nice to you. Or you can mm -hmm. put on sandals and like you've got to put on. Yeah, yeah. got to put on. Well, I think sandals. Jenna's way of putting on sandals getting was away. going. I yeah. don't need this. Yep. Don't expect any more videos from me, guys. I love you. And yep. You won't be seeing me. Well, what I would say is to follow that analogy, not to push it too far. It's like, I'm just not going to go outside mm -hmm. is what it is. It's like, it's not like I'm going to free roam the world. Like yeah, I will yeah. just stay in this area that I've swept up to keep uh, clean of thorns, which is totally an understandable position. Yeah, I think that's, that's her, right? Yeah. You want to talk about how Donald Glover is immune to being canceled? Why? <laughs> I was just before the, mm -hmm. I like to before the podcast, watch funny videos. Yeah. Just puts me in a better mood. And I was watching his Netflix special where he uses the M word. The M word. Yeah. For a little person okay and uh i was like oh that's a no-no word but netflix is promoting it and mm -hmm. uh i texted you i said can a black person be canceled for saying the m-word you said yeah i think it depends who is this donald glover you said nah he wrote uh this is america so he can't be canceled <laughs> yeah and i just think it's interesting i think there's a lot of inconsistency in the application of words that would be upsetting to people um and and what is demonstrated is that there's uh, it's the it's the ability of enforcement is what makes a word a bad mm -hmm. word right it's not that well i think if someone else said that first of all i'm not advocating we should cancel donald glover no but, zero uh yeah. if someone else said that word they might find themselves making an apology video maybe i don't think that there's a huge push from that community because i don't I, the truth is i don't know i haven't heard a ton about like what words are cool and not cool um yeah, I don't even know if that is a bad word or not. We're just, we're just, it, what's weird is, is even in this conversation, which I think, I, I hope we've made clear that our intent is not at any point in this conversation to be un, uh, is to put down a group of people. 
where we are dancing around these words because we don't even know mm -hmm. that uttering them in the context of speaking about them could be the end of this podcast. podcast. Yeah, yeah. Is, is, no, it's uh, weird. You have to kind of assume it's weird when making is it a about, podcast. Do you know if that's a bad word, Justin? Offhand? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So okay. it's weird. So I don't, well, no, I just want to give... Justin's looking to be like, I want to give... Cecil Rhodes monster. <laughs> I want to give some clarity to, to the people listening. Like, because people often say like, why do you guys beat around the bush on this stuff? Um, it's weird to have a conversation that you know at some point uh, a bad faith actor is going to comb through trying to mm -hmm. make you look bad. And that's the thing is like, <clears throat> I'm not worried that someone's going to watch. I think we try to be very thoughtful and kind. Well, that's not, I, I, I fear that we're spending too much time here covering our own ass. No, no, and, what I'm and, saying is people, people, uh, the people that try to cancel you, they start by trying to cancel you and then they comb through your stuff. That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like someone just stumbled upon Kevin Hart's 11 year old tweet yeah, 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 yeah. and then was upset by it. Like they decided that they didn't like Kevin Hart and they went through every tweet he had ever tweeted for 11 years. You know what I mean? Yep. It's a different process than I at least thought at first. What I thought was people just live their lives and then encounter upsetting stuff and then that galvanizes them to take action against the person. Mm -hmm. But I've come to see that that's not always the case. Normally what happens is somebody just decides that they have an agenda against a person and then they go through with a very, very uh, colored lens trying to find as much negative stuff as they can. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, she's a witch. Let's go find some evidence. Yeah. <laughs> if she, if she sinks, <laughs> she's innocent. <laughs> yeah. If she floats, she's a witch. Um, all right. So let's hop on to something else. This is complete. Non-cancel? Non-cancel. Yeah. Let me just see. I had written down a lot this week. I got, well, I got a weird one. This yeah. is just a quick one. Uh, I was doing something. I don't remember what. And my, uh, someone that I am close to texted me, have fun. Don't get sick. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to get COVID. But at the same time, isn't the goal for society that young, healthy people get sick? Because in order to have herd immunity, we need somewhere between 40 to 60% of people to have the antibodies. It's, well, what has never been laid out that I think is foolish is, and I'm not gonna say never, what I have not heard broadly discussed is what is our long-term plan? Because it was, it was, let's just shut down to March 15th, then the 30th, then to this, then to, and it's so like- So I, I researched this a little bit, I'm not a doctor, but I researched this and there's two, most common solutions at least to the corona crisis one is a vaccine yep and the other is herd immunity mm -hmm. and if you're if the goal is we have to wait no one is allowed to get covid until there's a vaccine we're in full lockdown for 12 to 18 months so i thought the alternative was hey all you young healthy people mm -hmm. who don't seem to die from this like you have to go get the antibodies because the we've all seen the charts the yeah, way it yeah. works is it bounces around from people to people but and if it, it hits someone that is immune then it stops, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was just thought it was interesting. This person who clearly, you know, is loves me and is close to me was like, don't get sick. And is that the best thing you could do for I, society? I thought for yeah. society, we were supposed to slowly get sick. Yeah. I thought we were supposed to flatten the curve, but yeah. not not go to zero. Yeah. Was my impression. Maybe I'm wrong. Or it just comes up in six months because I, if unless you unless you eradicate this disease, meaning worldwide zero, yeah. it will come back. So I thought the goal was flatten yeah. the curve. And flatten the curve means flatten the amount of people who are getting COVID. Yes. But so, then we have to, we have to, <laughs> as a society, sign off on, okay, so does that mean that we actually are encouraging young people to slowly, one at a time, get coronavirus? So, yeah, I've not heard long-term plans from politicians. I'm sure there's some scientists out there, but I have heard, I would, I think there's a third category of like grab bag solution, which is, for instance, allegedly they found the spectrum of UV light, which like just eradicates COVID and is safe for humans. So it's like switch all of our 
lights over to this thing that emits the UV spectrum and we don't need herd immunity or a vaccine. We just eradicate it in the air. Mm -hmm. So like there is a grab bag of technology that uh, solves this. But presuming that you're right and there's broadly speaking two ways, vaccine, which could be a year or more away, and then herd well, immunity. Think, yeah, and I, um, I'm i not an anti-vaxxer. I've been vaccinated. I'm mm -hmm. happy to have the yeah, vaccines not I have. Not everybody's going to take the vaccine, yeah. Well, it's not costless to wait 12 months for a vaccine, is what I was going to say. It's not costless in dollars or in lives. Sure. So I think that it's, I'm not, I'm not even sure that that's like the better solution mm -hmm. if what you care about is saving human lives. Yeah. Uh, it seems, that seems to be the case. I don't know a ton about it. I what i have read very briefly is that taiwan just crushed it and they did so by not trusting china in january <laughs> shutting the border are you nodding your head over here do you, yeah. do you know this to be true yeah okay they like apparently shut the border masked up right away they've been back at school since february like like and just like we're, mm -hmm. we're not hit and uh it's funny because like well we know china <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like they're lying to you yeah well what i think is interesting too we've talked about this i I'll, we'll get off politics but i think it's interesting it's been so politicized because mm -hmm. i know a, a lot of people think you know trump mishandled the corona thing and by the way i didn't vote for trump i'm not a trump stan but uh i'm pretty confident that if he had taken it as seriously as taiwan did which has come out in january and said we're closing the borders mm -hmm. no foreign people are coming in yeah U.S. people, you are not allowed to leave the country, and masks are mandatory. I'm very confident that the other, the, first of all, his followers would have been like, "Yeah," and everyone who doesn't like him would have been like, "This is insane." And instead, what happened is like, well, I think everyone would have been like, "This is insane." At that point, I mean, that was, nah, he's got people that would just support him for doing whatever he does. No, I think I think he had to switch in order to be elected as a Republican. He had to reverse on a number of positions, including gun control and abortion. Like there are things that are more important to them than Donald Trump. Sure. And, well, I guess uh, what I'm saying is that, in my opinion, I feel like what happened was Trump planted his flag. Here are my Corona beliefs, and, and then, then the U.S. Set up opposite. Yeah. The U.S. just um, aligned itself accordingly. Yes. Which is to say, yeah. Did you have food or something? I don't think so. Want to check real quick? You back? You settled? I'm back. <laughs> no, that's all. I just think it's interesting. Like, people's beliefs were largely just formulated by what political party they have. I think that's like, well, it's also how else would they be formulated in the sense that what are you going to read the scientific literature as it's updated real time? Like, and that, that would be a full time job. And I think there are people that have did that. They're named epidemiologists. <laughs> and they have opinions that might have uh, not followed the party line at all times. But for everyone else, unfortunately, the only way to really reliably move through the world that is so specialized is to have someone that you trust to interpret certain things for you. Now, we've elected in a large degree politicians to, to interpret science in, in a way which seems like, oh, I don't know if that's the best person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what else can you do? Read all of the data as it comes out. That would be your full-time gig and you wouldn't be able to participate in anything else. Um, but yeah, so we got that. What else? The other thing, I don't know if I should, I can talk about it. It what? might not be the right podcast for just because this one has been so political. Oh, I did MDMA, and I feel like I can. I'm, I've stepped far enough away from it to talk about it. But and we can just do it a different time or something. No, talk about it. Uh, okay, so I'm gonna have to recall. So I did MDMA. <laughs> <laughs> cool, I did cool, it cool. probably two or three weeks ago at this point, and I went in with the intention of like unlocking my heart and feeling more love and connection. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, was excited and came in there, laid down, uh, took it an hour later, like, <laughs> all right. So I sit up, I'm coached by the person there. I do some deep breathing because I'm, I'm struggling to get into it, which is strange. Do the deep breathing that starts to like, you start to feel things move. Like, okay, I'm, I'm ready. Eye mask, music mm-hmm. in. Um, and what came up, I, I'm gonna not, it was very particular and specific to incidents in my life. So I, uh, yeah, yeah to, just, share, to, just share those. I'll, I'll try to, <laughs> yeah, 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 just yeah, say. yeah. Go ahead and just say, <laughs> just say those in explicit detail. Yes. So what I can say is that um, it was. It's something you haven't talked about on the podcast already? No, no interesting no no not and and i think well i'll I'll even say one of the first things was one of them was being spanked which uh i resisted for a long time it was it was this memory of my dad spanking me and as it started to come on i'm like well that's dumb like let's let's we're here for the problems like yeah, yeah. let's let's get we're rid of the this. real stuff yeah we're here for the real stuff it's like this i was like please don't waste my time with this yeah and then i realized that uh the that was the problem is that not in just that case but in other areas of my life as it became clear is that if I think that something is too sissy or too soft to be upset about, I go, no, this doesn't count. Mm-hmm. And so at that point in my life, my dad pulled me upstairs and spanked me and I felt what it felt like as I was on MDMA and that was horrifying for mm-hmm. a young me. It was like, you know, and I, I've talked to my dad about this. It's all cool. <laughs> I, I was, let me just say, I wasn't abused. I think I was spanked less probably than many of my neighbors. Like mm-hmm. this was the way that kids were raised uh, in my area growing up and um but it was like the, the the most total utter betrayal that i had ever felt and it could could be capable of feeling hmm. and and it was like a a, a world orienting moment for me where it was like how could you you've killed me i'll never trust you again like you you know hmm. all all of these uh big four-year-old five-year-olds i don't know how old i was vows were made about the way that the world was as a result of that and so one of the the learnings that has come from it that i still struggle is that i and i think everybody and you could see this in the way that i treat other people is like some problems are too small for me to give uh credence to in Mm -hmm. other people so if somebody's upset and i and i deem that what they're upset about is really stupid. stupid yeah what I will say is stop making a mountain out of molehill. I'm not here to help about this. I, you know, save your crocodile tears, chirp up, you know, this isn't a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course that's happening inside of me, which means that there are blind spots inside of my own experience. So mm-hmm. weirdly enough, it's the smallest things in my life that I have been unable to like feel and integrate and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But it also makes me lacking in empathy and compassion for other people who are suffering for reasons that I deem not important. Enough. Question. Yeah. Is it bad to not get upset at little things to live your life in a way where you're able to good question power through and go okay like this is a molehill so i'm just gonna Mm -hmm. keep doing my thing it lacks nuance is what i would say um what i experienced on the inside was this very like i it was kind of like a parts integration if you know anything about parts integration it's the idea that we all have multiple personalities we have that confident self that comes out with that one friend and we have that really shy self that shows up with the person we're have a crush on and we yeah. have this child self that every time the frisbee is around we're like oh frisbee like yeah. um so it was these multiple parts of myself one of whom was very young innocent loving uh and hurt being strangled 
literally, like, I saw another part of myself leap across the room to kill this part of myself because it hated that mm -hmm. part of myself. And that is what internally occurs when I'm say you're making a mountain out of molehills. Like, I will kill you. Yeah. Shut up. Disappear. You don't exist. You are dead. We have no need for this weakness mm -hmm. is, is internally what's occurring. Um, and so what I would say is that in order to handle mountains and molehills, it's totally appropriate to put the experience to the side and go, you know what? We're in a boardroom right now. That person just said something that made you sad. We're not going to cry, <laughs> you know, but like I will attend to this later. Yeah. And so you power through, you go, listen, I don't appreciate the way that you spoke to me. And you, you, you handle your business. And then at some point you go, well, how did that make me feel? And you go, oh my gosh, that made me so upset. And you feel it and it moves through you. Well, does it have to make you so upset? You can't, do you think there are not people who have thick skin or thicker skin? No, I think that uh, there are people, and I mean, this is a new belief, that have um, wrapped their, they have protected their vulnerable parts and innocence in, in uh, protector parts. And if you were to use the parts integration, and this is literally what I experienced was this giant muscular part of myself that was like a doorman. Mm -hmm. He's like, nobody gets in here. Yeah. And there's a price that I pay, which I can talk about that. And I think other people pay, but. Um, yeah, what's the price? Uh, so the price that you pay is that part isn't just weak. What that part was, it was the part of me in this case that loved my dad unconditionally, connected with him. And the other part of me was like, you are the reason that this hurts so much. Because if we don't care about him, this is just a slap on the butt. It doesn't mm -hmm. hurt that bad. But it's the part of you that loves him and thinks that he's amazing and perfect that has been betrayed. So if we kill you, all we got was a rap on the butt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's not, that's not so bad. Um, and so the price that I paid, and I didn't get through it in this experience, but was like uh, a part of my heart, the part of it that connects with other people mm -hmm. is encased, is like being, is it's too weak and too vulnerable to experience those sorts of things. And so I had these images of like literally a fortress that I was like, there's no way through that. Mm -hmm. And then getting through and then at the top of the fortress and I look in and there's like a black hole and I jump into the black hole and it's, you know, this, these visions are sort of happening. Um, and then I, there's a red crystal emerges and like, okay, here's what we've been looking for. Here's what you've been hiding. And I couldn't even get close to it. And I will get upset if I say it. Um, it was all of the positive things about me and my dad. Um, and it, <laughs> it fucks me up. Uh, but I can't even still touch it. It's like too scary to look into, to see. And I've like caught glimpses of it and it's, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's, it's, um, it's it's fantastic and it's you know you've never seen me i'm sure you see me and my dad talk argue hang out what i can't do and i can't you know what i can't do i can't even say is be vulnerable around him and like connect in that way yeah, yeah and that i think influences me not just with him with with a lot of other people so that that is the price mm -hmm. that is comes from you're making a mountain out of a molehill it's like well we have no time for weakness so it's like in addition to being weak that is the part that is open to, to connection vulnerable mm -hmm. etc um so yeah that was my that was my mdma <laughs> I, I don't I, I have thoughts but i don't want to go ahead interrupt do you have more that you want to share uh no no i mean there's there was a lot more that happened but that was the the okay. the overarching journey so i think for you that makes a lot of sense I've it's seen, not for everybody. I've yeah. seen you with your relationship with your dad. It's hilarious. <laughs> uh, you guys just argue all the time. But what about the people? I are, let me put it this way. I think there are people who do who apply this rule too much, which is to say, sure, with your relationship with your father, don't repress, mm -hmm. work through. Yep. <laughs> if I'm in a meeting 
yes. for work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a guy who I've never met who says something that I don't like about myself or my religion or my whatever. Mm -hmm. And I never have to see him again. I actually think personally what I do and the best thing I could do is just be like, I don't care about this person. So, all right, thanks for being a dick. Like, I'm never going to work with you or talk to you or think about you again. Yeah. And I, it doesn't seem like it would be to my benefit to come home and try to be upset assuming that I had repressed it. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Because, totally. Because 100%. that person is unimportant to me. I agree. I agree. And I think there are people who make it a full-time job to be upset about everything that has ever happened mm -hmm. or will happen to them or people around them or people they don't know or been said or might be said. You know what I mean? And they're they literally just constantly upset. Yeah. And uh, I guess I'm just trying to understand the nuance between understanding that um, weakness is not necessarily bad all the time. Yes. And also understanding that sometimes molehills are just molehills. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? 100%. And so what I would say to that is that what you'll see on the surface is that if somebody takes MDMA, somebody might go, holy shit, I've been a pushover my whole life. I'm, I'm like, I, I denied this tough part of myself. Perfect. Um, and, and what everybody gets will be different. What is common to all of them is that it will be, there's an element of the truth which you haven't let yourself experience because of some trauma or vow that you made to yourself okay and my truth has to do with vulnerability i'm just clarifying though you're this is not the green light no, to be upset no, about no, no. everything what it is time. no what it is a green light to do is to take steps to encounter the truth of your emotional experience that you haven't tapped into and for some people it's like holy shit i'm way tougher than i than i yeah. ever fucking realized or i'm i'm i i am way more and here's and so take the person who makes a mountain out of a molehill all the time well what i would argue is that that person is repressing what actually upset them which is probably something that yeah. happened when they were a kid mm -hmm. and so they view everybody as the bad guy because they Except idolize their dad that one you know what person I'm yeah, yeah yeah and so like i mean there's a person i can think of who's like this in our lives it's like my dad is perfect mm. all these other people are the problem are bad <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and it's like well you're actually the opposite like all what these people are doing that's so upsetting to you is only upsetting to you because you haven't allowed yourself to be upset with your father or your mother yep. or your sibling. Yep. Um, so yeah, I think for you and your lesson, obviously it's perfect for it's you. It's not but meant I'm just, to be I'm just else's, trying yeah. to work through how does this apply to me? How does this apply to everybody that's listening? Yes, and I think the answer is that from any set of symptoms, you cannot perfectly intuit the reason. So like you gave one example because this person, for instance, had an abusive father that they couldn't handle. They needed to idolize them and such that the problem needed to be elsewhere. Another one is that they learned that their dad would be super helpful if they created problems so that it was a way by constantly going, oh, no, no, it's a way for them to connect with other people. Mm -hmm. And they and they've denied their own independence and strength and going, actually, I feel good. And so they've repressed joy in, in moments where like, I do have thick skin that actually didn't upset me. I'm just pretending that it did. Yeah. So from any set of symptoms, you can't know what the root is. And so the only prescription for people is there's an element of the truth that you have an experience because it doesn't serve you. And mm -hmm. so whatever steps one can take to experience the truth will unravel dysfunctional patterns in your life plug shamelessly i just finished emotional mastery <laughs> it's coming out on monday oh yeah yeah nice so it's going to be up on monday um we'll put we'll throw a link in the description i guess we could throw it up we could throw it up on friday here you might it's it there's going to be some cleanup going on at well, they could the also website. just email you right if they're interested yes if you want to email me at charlie at charismoncommand.com um 
I can send you back. I'll have my assistant send you back an email that is when it goes live. So maybe it won't be live on Friday. Yeah, but it goes um, live on Monday. It's finally done. It's the reason I've been making YouTube videos. Yeah. So that Charlie can make this course. Yeah, yeah. You love it. You said it's the best thing you've ever made. I do. I think it is the best thing I've ever made. Um, it is, I think psychedelics are f insanely powerful and I would recommend them to people. But for, this is for people A, who have done it or B, that are a little bit too afraid. Um, the story that I told gives you a broad idea of the types of things that I think are valuable and there are exercises that do not involve any sort of substances that you'll be sober as a as well, yeah, a all the exercises, yeah, 24 all days, yeah. none of them involve 23 of them you're going to be messed up, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be drinking your face up, no. No, it's 24 uh, days, no psychedelics involved yeah. and the idea is to help people fully integrate, get over limiting beliefs, mm -hmm. get over blind spots, improve self-love, confidence, yeah. joy, happiness, so... I'm excited to go through it. Yeah. So yeah. So and, and I'm trying to think if there's anything else from this MDMA experience. There was there was plenty, but it was uh, and it was good. I did speak to my dad afterwards. Um, did you tell him you love him? I did. And it and again, what I see, which is incredible, is like you've seen my dad and I fight for years and years and years, right? Yeah, seventeen of them. And the and the movement in either of us is minuscule. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, I love fighting with him it's like one of my favorite things to do is call him up when we have a disagreement yeah, and yeah. just argue we That's, just love to argue yes it's super fun for me but we haven't changed each other ever yeah. <laughs> ever and the i will tell you the only things that have changed him is when i've had these experiences so like first off when i went to it was called choice center it was that program and i came back and told him what i'd learned about myself weirdly enough it's like when i do the things that uh, truly deeply affect me he is instantly impacted by it so like the way that he has behaved around me since then has been different pre and post that course and then pre and post this conversation um so yeah not not that I, one should engage in this in order to change their family or their loved ones around them but it is incredible how it it the way that you are just has an impact on other people mm. beyond any sort of persuasion strategy that i could have possibly devised yeah but you and you'd also told me for years you're like why when you speak to your dad do you not have charisma on command yeah well, no, <laughs> like, you know, that, wait, i was actually just gonna say so because you said more than any uh persuasion tactic yeah but i have seen you with your father purposefully not do yeah. what you know would be persuasive yeah. you know we talk about there's tony robbins is who i got this from there's six human needs mm -hmm. everyone has a top two you figure out what their top two are you communicate in such a way that it satisfies those values for them and it's an incredibly powerful way to make someone feel good while persuading them open, to wait or at to least what you're, open them up so yes. that they're not shut down to what you have to say and you would absolutely know his <laughs> values and i'd say dude why don't you just give him his values yeah, yeah, yeah. in this conversation you go no mm -hmm. i cannot yeah and so yeah it was like you knew what to do and you could do it with everyone else but with your dad you would refuse to yeah yes and the thing is you could sit me down and talk to me and force me to do it no i couldn't I, force you to do it well let's pretend that you handcuffed me and and beat the words out of me mm. right maybe you could have got them but i would have said them in such a way that they didn't work like there was this block that was inside of yeah, me yeah. could not have been overcome with tactics mm -hmm. it could only be worked through by experiencing it is what i would say and sure it, sure but i'm just saying if i could have just taken over your brain but sounded like you oh yeah you would i could have i could have had a persuasive conversation yeah, yeah, yeah. with him like it, it was i the, would have needed to not be me yeah yeah it was <laughs> like the it was the not even, not even self-sabotage the decision to to not do the things you knew and i think we all have people like that we all have conversations where we walk away being like well why the fuck did that I wasn't yeah i know that's not the best way to get what i want yeah um 
So I think I wrote so many things that we've we've circled around a lot of it. I think. Oh, I deleted half this shit yeah, that yeah. I had on this list. I think I'll leave it for now. Let's hop into questions. Since okay. We're... All right. First one is that I went through Charisma on Command University and it absolutely changed my life professionally and personally. I'm a teacher who actually started connecting with my students and I recommend your videos to them. I got a girlfriend who at one point I would have considered way out of my league, made a ton of new friends, etc. Recently, I went through a horrible breakup where the woman picked on my masculinity, my assertiveness, my drive, my conversational skills, and looks during the breakup. I found myself reflecting on all the things she said to me and started seeking too much validation from my friends, which has started driving people away. All the good habits picked up during the course have started becoming oddly unnatural. I became conscious of these self-destructive behaviors and made a change. I decided to restart and go through the course again, but I find myself discouraged by the new knowledge that you can make yourself charismatic only to lose the charisma and all the good things it brings in a matter of months. Restarting is significantly less exciting than starting. Oftentimes I reflect on how good life would be if I handled the breakup more maturely and didn't stop practicing in the first place. I feel the need to show the people I drove away that I am my old self again and not the wreck I was post-breakup. The question is whether you have any advice on how to make charisma more permanent or any mindsets that make the past charisma failures easier to bear. Yeah. Do you want to go or? Uh, sure. I mean, I think there's two different things that are almost completely unrelated, right? One is the breakup and two is the loss of charisma. Um, I think in the, from the charisma standpoint, it's kind of like the gym, which is to say you can go to the gym, get really muscular, get fast, whatever your goal is. But then if you skip the gym for a year because you got a girlfriend, at the end of the breakup, you will not have all the gains that you had, right? So for the future, to the extent that you are interested in maintaining your charisma, it's it's to be maintained at all times. It's not to ebb and flow depending on uh, what your dating life is like. or Though it is incredibly common to, yeah. to disappear when you start, uh, when you get that person that you've always wanted to date. People really do let it go then. Oh, super common. So this is my second thing. Um, forgive yourself for handling the breakup poorly. That's the number one thing. And I think recognize that it's incredibly common and it's totally fine. I actually don't think there's anything wrong with being a wreck during a breakup. Now, how long it lasts and how long you dated and blah, blah, blah can impact uh, if it's reasonable or not, quote unquote. But yeah, okay, so what? Like you're, you're where you are today. You had the breakup. You did things that you're not proud of or you weren't a person that you were proud of. But every person on the planet has those moments and then there's no going back. So I think the best thing you can do is just start from a place of like, okay, I'm here today. I'm okay. I have survived this. And then just figure out a game plan that's going to make you happy. And I just, I don't say a game plan that's going to make you charismatic. I say a game plan that's going to make you happy. Mm -hmm. And I think if you focus on that, Charisma University going through it again might become more appealing because now it's not a chore that you have to do it's just something that you can choose to do if you think it's going to make you happy mm -hmm. but the focus isn't to be muscular or charismatic or anything it's just to be comfortable with who you are and happy and you can use that as one of the many things that you use to get there yeah and i would put I'm, i would put charisma in the category though i to me more interesting than uh as weightlifting which is to say it is a set of skills that can wax and wane and fade and uh, you develop it and it has some staying power, but it's not forever. And that was yeah. the, the perfect analogy. Now, it was literally a breakup that made me 
become less interested in charisma and more interested in the question that you have, which is like, shit, what lasts, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, and I, I mean, that is why I made emotional mastery. You might find it interesting. It's not going to solve your problem of, am I charismatic? Because that's not what it's intended to do. Sure. It was intended to find some stable ground of feeling, which is maybe feeling shitty for a period yeah, of yeah. time. <laughs> and, and to be clear, I think that there's no, well, maybe you think there's a superior. I think there's no right answer. Like no. I went through a breakup. I went the other direction. I yeah. was like, we're going to get peak charisma, mm-hmm. peak physical, start surfing all the time, uh, make the business grow. Like I used it as fuel to get health, wealth and other relationships in line, you yeah. know what I mean? In a place that I was happy with. So I think that that's why I'm, I would say like, what's going to make you happy? Like for Charlie, it was saying, I don't care so much about what other people think of me. I don't care so much about the amount of women I'm dating or whatever my friends might think. I'm, I'm focused on emotional mastery and joy and peace and all of that. And I think all that's awesome. And I do some work in that area, but also I was like, yo, we're going to maximize, you know what I mean? Getting all the dating apps. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) I don't think either is wrong. I think that's why I would say explore what you think is going to bring you joy. And then Charisma University can be a part of that to the extent that you want it to, Mm -hmm. but it's much, it's a much more motivating place to come from than if you're trying to force yourself to do something you don't want to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. The other thing I mentioned, you mentioned your masculinity and this and that. And what my breakup exposed in me that it sounds like yours may have exposed in you is that a tremendous amount of your personal self-worth is coming from one person who is the apple of your eye that you're dating at that given time or that um, you're interested in dating. And that was certainly true of me. And that's probably why you also let charisma go because you're like, well, all that really matters is what this woman thinks of me yeah, and she finds her. me masculine and also this is you've, you've seen the downside of that which is oh if she gets upset or angry or you, anything all of a sudden i'm not masculine enough for her i'm not handsome enough for her which by the way we did you know what i mean like all of these hurtful things that she could say stick so much harder because basically i've said hey i'd like you to keep my self-worth in your purse mm-hmm. you know and i want you to decide when i deserve to feel it and not and it feels really nice at first to outsource one's self-worth because especially to a person who's like, you're great, you're amazing, because we never say that to ourselves. Mm-hmm. But you've experienced the downside, which is you're not a man, you're ugly, you're this, that, and the other thing. So just so you know, the, the risk of being boring, your self-worth doesn't come from her. That was a an illusion, a mistake that you made in, in thinking that mm-hmm. she had any influence. Your masculinity cannot, this is, can be taken by a, by a person and it's kind of funny that I, I realized this about myself I was like oh my god I thought my claim to manhood came from how happy I made this particular woman like what a silly idea of what a man is a man is someone who makes I'm not going to say her name I'll just say Becky happy <laughs> that's what a man is a man yeah, makes yeah. Becky happy and satisfied and Becky thinks that man is handsome and good at stuff that's what a true man is like what is that was what my definition was though and so it hurt when that was taken um and what I've come to, what is a man? I guess I don't care. Is the truth? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm. Di- I, I realize that this idea of masculinity is a, is often a way to control people. Same thing with femininity. It's just a way to get your romantic partner to do what you want them to do by yanking that mm-hmm. that chain. Um, so yeah, you actually haven't lost anything. You've just told her in your brain that she was in charge of the self worth and the masculinity and the, if you're handsome yeah, yeah. and that was just a mistake a misallocation can i hop in with one other thing mm-hmm. so i think it's important to note because a lot of times i talk about dating or surfing or working out uh after that breakup some other things i started doing were uh, magic mushrooms mm-hmm. and video games and fiction books specifically mm-hmm. brandon sanderson 
And I just want to highlight that because I don't want to come off like this paradigm of uh, perfection because I think like those things also make me happy in the same way that working on my charisma and surfing makes me happy. Mm -hmm. So that's why like when I say figure out what makes you happy, if your answer is rewatching The Office, you should do that in addition mm -hmm. to maybe or maybe not doing Charisma University. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But like you, you will get the right friends and the right woman in your life when your focus is being someone who does what makes you happy and acts in a way that you're proud of. And doesn't beat yourself up. This is important. Like there's times, okay, I've watched 16 hours. I need to get off the couch. But part of what I do cover in Emotional Mastery and I think is important even if you don't decide to take the course is that what a lot of people get in their relationships is a space to feel good because they never afford themselves that space. Because mm -hmm. what you'll do is you'll be like, I do like The Office. You watch three episodes, you go, what a waste of time. I should have been doing Charisma University. I should have been making yeah, myself yeah. better. I'm not handsome. I've only gotten uglier in the last hour and a half. Like you need to create some space for yourself to uh, do the things that make you happy and then not judge yourself afterwards. Be like, that was time well spent. Yeah. Whatever. As presuming that I selected for that thing that, that brought me some sort of happiness and joy. No, and I think, and then we'll wrap because I know we have a ton of yeah. these questions. But uh, I think that oftentimes the fear that I have and other people have when they are growth oriented is, well, what if I become that type of person who I secretly judge and hate, which is someone who all they do all the time is you know, whatever you think is Veg bad, out, yeah. eat junk food and watch TV and this and that. And I actually would argue that those people aren't necessarily coming from a place of self-love. No. I think a lot of times when it's non-stop TV or non-stop junk food, it's escapism from your their own pain. And that's just their coping mechanism in the same way that mine might have been working out three hours a day because that was my coping mechanism for not having self-love, right? Was to try mm -hmm. to look perfect. Uh, but that's not what happens when you do come from a place of self-love. Mm -hmm. You might do it some of the time, but you will not become this vegetative person who you hate if you happen to be very growth oriented. Like you'll become balanced. And I think ultimately like that's that's the best place to be. Cool. Next one, we got a lot of these. Next one is, um, I'm a 19 year old guy and I've been quite shy and quite quiet most of my life. That's Charlie. Within the last few years, I've been trying to become an overall more charismatic person. Currently, I found after watching your videos, I'd start to implement the habits until I'd quickly feel embarrassed for acting so different to what I'm usually like. This mostly happens around my family. As an example, I'd really love to be more comedic, but doing things like acting out my jokes, making bigger gestures, and doing impressions to make the jokes land better make me feel particularly embarrassed and mm. fake when doing it around my family. Yep. I feel almost as though I'm faking it and just being weird and not my normal self. I think this is because for so long I've been shy and quiet and never really fully confident, charismatic, or super comedic. So trying to be charismatic around the people who know me as just shy makes me feel fake. My question is how can I start to implement more charismatic habits without feeling embarrassed, weird, or like I'm faking it in front of my family? Really good question. I can tell you what I did. It was study abroad and get away from anyone who knew me. And the freedom to reinvent yourself when there's no expectation, it'll blow your mind. Mm -hmm. But if I tried to go back to a family reunion and do that, it would not have worked. But now, now you can do it. Yes, yes. And th but there are still times when someone will see me and they'll be shocked at how different I am and I can feel the beginnings of that, like, oh God, I'm supposed to be a certain way. But because I'd had a long enough runway mm -hmm. abroad, I came back and I was like, this is familiar to me now. And even if it's not familiar to you, I, this is the case. Yeah. So, so creating a space for yourself that is separate, you're 19, I mean, truly study abroad might be the right thing for you pick somewhere that doesn't have a ton of coronavirus um any thoughts 
Yeah, I joined a fraternity. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I went to college. I went to college 30 minutes from my family, but I made them, uh, I made it clear that they were not mm-hmm. supposed to come <laughs> all the time. You know what I mean? Because I, I also wanted to have my space. And I think that you're at a great age for that. Um, so yeah, I went and joined a fraternity uh, specifically of people who were the type of people I wanted to be like. And like you know we're encouraging I mean? that behavior so in you. So for instance, yeah. like I wanted to be more uh, charismatic. I wanted to live this Van Wilder life. If anyone knows that movie, that was not my life in high school at all. I was considered straight edge. I was considered a nerd. And so when I got to college, I was like, okay, I can go and just go to the people I gravitate to in terms of who seems most like who I was in high school. Or I can go spend time with these people who seem most like who I want to be. And so I picked the fraternity that had people that I admired and wanted to be around because they were fun and also who inspired me to be more charismatic, such that when I was working on my charisma, which was at this exact moment, and I was becoming louder and gesticulating more and telling more jokes, it was received quite well because they were like, ah, this is great. This is the type of behavior that we want from our friends. Yep. So that helped me. Yeah, that's the best advice I have is that uh, don't don't start by doing it around the people who know you the best. That's that's like going to the gym, putting three plates on each side of the bench press. I mean, like it's time to get huge. Yeah. Like, you need to start. You need to start lighter. And I think that's a new social circle. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Next is my boyfriend's YouTube channel has recently blown up. He's Ooh, been working extremely okay. hard on it for two years and he's finally seeing rewards. I'm very proud of him. I was wondering if you have any advice for him for dealing for for dealing with the haters because there are a ton and the praise. He doesn't read comments, but people still message him saying very mean things, and mm. it definitely gets to him. Some of the comments people leave will make me feel insecure as well, like when people say he's handsome and ask if he's single. A girl he went on a date with years ago also reached out trying to hang out. <laughs> One of our friends recently said, "I'm glad your channel is blowing up, so you can share." So can you share my blog? And it really bothered me because yeah. his blog had nothing to do with my boyfriend's content. Mm. And I felt like he was just trying to use him. Is this something I'll just have to get used to? Any advice for dealing with internet fame? A lot, lot of different good sub questions. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Can lot we of good sub questions. start at the top and then pause you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Justin, say it again. No, no, no. So yeah, just yeah. let's get to the first question. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I, the, first, the first part of it is um, dealing with the haters and the praise. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. So even before this, I believe I recognize this name. I've, I've seen this name in uh, some of our courses. So if you are an emotional master, even if you're not at this point, you're a patron and all that stuff, hit me up. We have a course uh, section of emotional mastery that is a bonus that I created for our team about thumbnails and titles. If he's interested, check that out. It's in emotional mastery, and I'm happy to share it with with you as a patron. That will just get him more YouTube fame, though. That will get him more fame. So we need to so, answer the question. So let's answer the question. Uh, okay. Comments. You are new to this. This is this is your this is your cross to bear in the last couple of weeks. How's yep. it going? What have you learned? Yeah. What have I learned? Um, the, I mean, the negative comments are just part and parcel with doing it. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing. Like I used to. I mean, this is actually so. One of the things I did. I think you're great at making videos. Mm-hmm. I would make videos. People would watch them. They'd get good views, but they'd get negative comments. I went and read some of your comments mm. and I was like, okay, some people think Charlie sucks too. Yeah. And I know that that's not the case in my opinion at least. So it's like, all right, that helped normalize to me. Like some percentage of people are just going to be critical. Um, okay. And that was very helpful for me. So this person could do the same thing. Read our they comments. They like our comments. <laughs> if you like our channel, go check out our videos. You will see that there are people that are haters. Yeah. Um, so that was really helpful. I think another thing was 
our friend who was on Survivor, who was on the podcast, Benji, said something very helpful, which is sometimes people are just, ha they just have a feeling. And so oftentimes these people that are writing things that are mean, if they saw you and recognized you on the street, this is not what they would say. And so recognizing that comments are not the same as conversation. Because you read a comment, you're like, oh my God, if someone said this to me, it would be so hurtful. It's like, yeah. they wouldn't. Yeah. They would they'll immediately get 10 times softer, right? So recognizing that a comment is kind of like meaningless. And then the other thing, which is kind of a bummer, is you have to detach from the positive comments as well. Now, I love them. Keep them coming because I'm not perfect. But there is a sense that, yeah, you, you have to recognize that nobody knows who you are. So all they're commenting on is this one 10-minute video. Does that make sense? So mm -hmm. like, this is stupid. They're not saying I'm stupid. They're saying what I said is stupid. But similarly, like, this is amazing. They're actually not saying that I'm amazing. They're they even, don't, they even, don't they're revealing who. more about themselves than they are about you. They're revealing, oh, well, I think this topic is so cool, which says more about the commenter than it does about the thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Someone writes on Andrew Schultz, this yeah, yeah. is tone deaf. How could you make this? And someone else writes on it, this is amazing. I love Andrew Schultz. None of this actually means anything about Ben Altman, the mm -hmm. individual. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, you know more about those two people. You know that the one person is, is sensitive to what's going on in the world and the other person thinks Andrew Schultz is an amazing comedian. You know very little about <laughs> about you. Yeah. Um, so comments ultimately reveal much more about the person saying them, which, and to your point, means that you got, you, you got to check yourself when you start getting a big head because of the positive ones because mm -hmm. they also don't say anything about you. But go ahead. No, no, so that's, that's okay. been the stuff that's been most helpful. So for Benji me. also had something that helped me, um, which is any good business needs to uh, understand what their vanity metrics are, which is to say the things that we want to check but don't matter, as well as the metrics that count. And so he said, what metrics count to you? And I was like, well, I guess technically, you know, how the views are, but really that's kind of vanity. I guess like how is the company doing from a financial profit perspective matters. And then what else matters? Did I enjoy making that video? And then kind of it <laughs> you know what i mean and like, do people who join the courses like them and oh yeah well in the context of, of making videos yeah, yeah, yeah okay yeah. sorry in the context of making videos um yeah and we we started because of this we're like oh wow we should track the what how people feel about our course so we put up a survey on our course but the point is that you need to identify what metrics matter to you and then actually find a way to measure them such that you're not just saying, oh, I'm not going to look at the comments. You're saying, I am going to track the metrics that matter. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, what you'll find is that you're quickly doing videos that you don't like yeah, yeah. because you haven't made that an important metric. And maybe you're doing, you're getting tons of views, but the, the uh, ad rates are really low on yeah. that topic. Or you're maybe going, your goal is views, in which case don't worry about the comments, track sure. views. But this is huge for us because we did yeah. 90 Day Fiance because it was so hot on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And it got off to a hot start with great views. And then we checked and no one joined a single, I mean, that's yeah, yeah. not true. Very few people joined a course because of it. Yes. Versus doing somebody else that's uh, more interesting to me because they're, it's a good charisma lesson mm -hmm. versus 90 Day Fiance. It's kind of like, don't do all this crazy stuff. One, I like it more. Two, our audience likes it more. Even if it doesn't go as viral, more people join the course because of it. So yeah, it's, it's about picking your metrics because yep. it will literally change what you do. And this is tough because the YouTube studio, without you realizing, has told you which metrics matter and they're broken. It's like, is this video relatively better than the last 10? If for those of you who don't know, you go to YouTube studio, it tells you on a scale of one of 10, two of 10, where this video ranks in the last 10. Mm -hmm. Well, that says nothing about the absolute amount of views. It's only, am I relative to the last 10 going up? Which is an insane metric to have, yeah. right? Because like you can't grow forever. Well, also funny enough, <laughs> like, good content keeps going and yes. mediocre content might pop because of a topic but yes. then it dies we've had topics that 
blew up in the first week and like never got a view after yep. the first week. So what I had to do was recognize like, oh wow, YouTube Studio, I can't go in because it is just a cesspool of bad metrics on the homepage. Now there's times where I have to dig into the analytics to get a certain thing that I'm looking for, but it's very common for people to log in, watch views. And I have to tell myself, I'm like, the business will do worse and I will feel worse the more time I spend in any sort of dashboard that has bullshit metrics. And YouTube Studio is that dashboard. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I can't click here. And then I was like, so that, that has helped me as well. Um, so that's the comments part. Uh, and just practical advice, do not respond. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing I was gonna say. She said he doesn't read the comments, but he still gets messages from Don't haters. Don't respond. Don't respond to haters. Ever. If you get the urge to respond to a hater, respond to, yeah. respond to someone who's written you something thoughtful and nice. Or asking for help, saying, hey, I need I need help. Yeah, which and I assume that, would yep. be thoughtful. Yes. Like, uh, and so that, and because you'll find that you're tempted to defend yourself. It's like, holy cow, I'm going to give more energy to this person who has been unkind to me than someone who has reached out with a genuine question or yeah. someone that is. So yeah, for every time you feel that, you can just go find someone who's done something nice. And then, you know, now you're creating a positive feedback loop in the world. There's another question too, which is like, what did, what to do about uh, the <clears throat> fact that like now he's getting handsome yeah, comments? So, there's, there's a, so what was the next follow-up question? It was, how do we deal with comments? And then the next one was about uh, the girlfriend feeling insecure about people calling him <clears throat> handsome and then like his ex reaching out to him. Ah, out. oh, and then there was, yeah, I remember the third. So I, I've never had this scenario. I don't know. An ex reaching out? No, no, I have. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I've never been uh, the partner in a relationship who is watching someone else receive critical acclaim and uh, seeing yeah, that yeah. there was a ton of attention on them. Um, so I don't know that one specifically. Is there any thoughts that you have? Uh, I have one general thought, which I'm sure there are exceptions, but so uh, you and I both at times in our lives have done open relationships, which is like the most at-risk relationship you could possibly imagine, which mm -hmm. is to say you have the blessing of your partner to sleep with other people. And I, me, several of my friends, and a guy that uh, I had paid to help me with jealousy and stuff like that, I talked to all of them, I watched all the relationships, no one ever broke up with someone because of positive attention from someone else even in our case when it was having sex with someone else mm -hmm. um, what ended relationships was the dynamic in the relationship now i assume you're in a closed relationship so your relationship is even inherently less uncertain than uh, all those open relationships but the reason i share that is because your relationship with your boyfriend is going to succeed or fail based on the dynamic that you two have together mm -hmm. and so don't worry about, oh, someone's going to write him and he's going to whatever. Like, as long as you're happy and making him happy while he's happy and making you happy and you're treating each other well, your relationship's going to be fine. And by the way, you can't really make anyone happy and no one else can make you happy. So all you can really focus on is being happy and treating him in a way that you're going to be proud of whether the relationship lasts or not. Yeah. And like you said, so I've done open relationships and I've had the freedom to sleep with people and all that sort of stuff. Um, but just to echo your point, I have never even come close to wanting to replace the person that I was dating. Not it, nothing because of someone else. Because of someone else. But I, but I have because of my significant other's behavior. Sure, but that's, but not, not, to that's not even replace. No, not that's just, just to get rid that's of. That's just, just to get rid. That's what I'm saying. All my breakups are because of that person's exactly. behavior. So weirdly enough, and I don't know this is 100 percent. I would say that the quality of your relationship is so much more in your hands than you recognize. And mm -hmm. as someone who has received that attention from people who are sometimes very attractive and all those sorts of things, it just, it, the relationship that I have been in has truly never 
I've never not wanted to be in it because somebody else liked me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and but I have ended relationships, and that was because I needed to get out <laughs> of the relationship yeah. that I was in, not necessarily into something else. Mm-hmm. So I think you're safer than you think. Uh, though I don't, you know, I can only speak for myself. And then there was the last question of how do we deal with people kind of hitting us up, asking for favors, and like yeah. making those sort of sidelong comments. Mm. So this will start to happen. Uh, and it will never stop. It will never stop. And that'll be, you know, first world problem. So what I have done is to, I don't know that you're at this point yet. I've insulated myself from it, which is to say I have a personal email address that I write my answers to. And I have a business email address, Charlie Charisma on Command, that my assistant goes through and occasionally sends to me mm-hmm. some things that I need to see. Uh, such that if you are not actually my friend, mm-hmm. you can't get to me. You know, like you, you, go ahead. This was a friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, and then this happened. I think one of our first podcasts ever, I was like, dude, somebody that I haven't spoken to in 10 years found out my channel, had my email, hit me. I was like, we should totally hang out. This mm-hmm. is a person that passed on opportunities to hang out with me repeatedly, not in a mean way, just like we weren't friends. Then. Mm-hmm. We just had each other's email. Um, what do you do? Yeah, it's going to continue to happen. Uh, I think recognize that it's not evil on their part it, there is a natural human desire to try to attach yourself to someone that you think might be able to help you mm-hmm. and to get very clear policies it's always nice to fall back on policy and my policy is like no you can't do a guest post i will not ever do a guest post unless it's someone that i independently admire but never would i let a friend even a close friend create content for me and so i'll tell people i'll be like listen if you're tony robbins you can write for me because i've read your books but if i haven't read your book independently and thought it was amazing, then no, you can't be on the channel and no, I won't promote you. Um, And that's just my policy. I also think kind honesty is just a very easy thing to fall back on. Like we have sponsors on our YouTube channel. Right now, the most common one is Audible. I love Audible, I'm happy to promote them. We had a friend recently hit us up asking, he's involved in it, I think he's an angel investor or an advisor to a company, and he wanted to uh, do a sponsorship, which we do. So there's no policy. I can't go, oh, we don't do sponsorships, right? So I look at the product, not a good fit for us, right? So I literally just respond to the guy. And the thing is like, I think it's more just come from a place of comfort with this, which mm-hmm. comes with practice, really. I just said, hey, I don't think this is a good fit. Um, it doesn't make sense for our channel. Um, I don't think we should do it. You know, now I happen to know somebody that it was a good fit for. So I was like, if you want, I know these people, I can put you in touch. Yeah. Not because you hit me up asking for this, but because you're my friend. And if you had hit me up saying, hey, do you know anyone in this industry? I would have done this. Yeah. Um, so I put them in touch and that was it. And there was no hard feelings. He was like, oh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. I think people, I mean, if this is truly a friend, I think maybe you think they're going to be more upset than they actually will be. If you just yeah, say, yeah. hey, sorry, this has not, this isn't the right t- like topic for me. Well, and then you can also like, if they're going to crack a joke, feel free to joke back. Be like, yeah, can't wait to promote, you know, can't wait to, for you to not have to do any marketing and we'll just take care of everything <laughs> or whatever joke you want to make about it is totally reasonable. But if, if the ask becomes a real thing, uh, you, and what you were kind of saying is that you you recognize that the platform that your boyfriend has created is not for him to nepotistically put on his friends and family. It's for him to create valuable content for his audience. This is what I was just going to say. You, so go, like, you, you fall back on the audience. Yeah, yeah. Like, look, this isn't my play toy that I just like. And now you get a car and you get a car. No, like, this is for me to create really valuable stuff for my audience. So to the degree that I believe that you've done that, I welcome all comers. 
Uh, and that's actually my thing is like, I think Tony Robbins would do it. And I think most other people wouldn't. So they can't be on my thing. Sure. But I had, but I I had Scott Harrison on, on the, the thing. He's the Charity Water CEO. If I were this guy, let's say you got 100,000 subscribers, right? And it's like, hey, I want you to promote my blog. I just say like, hey, that's not what these people are here for. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? It's a comedy channel. Your blog is about health and fitness. It's not personal. I wouldn't promote yeah. anyone's health and fitness stuff. Yep. Um, so it's I don't think it makes want. sense. Yeah. It's not what they want. And again, it's the truth. This isn't even you backing out. It's like, this isn't my thing to just dick around and do whatever the heck I please. This is for me to create valuable stuff for the people that have signed up and subscribed. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I could talk at length about about this, but good luck. It'll, it'll work out. I think we answered all that, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Cool. <clears throat> Next one is, um, I started to notice recently that my girlfriend is hugely empathetic, which isn't a problem for me, and I love her more for her ability to do so, but I do see it often drag her down. Any time that she hears of someone close to her having a problem, she pretty much puts herself in their shoes to the point where it's almost like it's her own problem. Hmm. Oftentimes as well, she will get upset at jokes that have some kind of content that involves someone else's misfortune, even if it's completely fictional. Um, now, I don't want to change her in any way, but I want to know if you guys have any insight on it and what you think of it as a trait, and if it's more beneficial or more of a weight. I always try to understand how people's brains work and how I can better empathize with them but because I'm more logical, this kind of frame of mind really baffles me. Um, and I was wondering if there were any tips that could help her if at times it does get overwhelming. Yeah. So what the first question that I would ask, and the answer could go either way on this, is uh, does she have the same reaction when she hears a joyful story to the same uh, proportion and degree? Because what I find is that sometimes people who call themselves empathetic really are just sad. <laughs> and... and um, they attach to other people's sadness, they attach to the world's sadness, the world is such a sad place, but they're incapable of being like, wow, the world is a safer place than it's ever been in all of human history, and like, babies are being born, and that just lights up my day. They very rarely have those Yeah, yeah, because I think if you were actually sympathetic, everyone's both. joy would be your joy, yes. everyone's sadness would be your so, sadness. So that's the first question, is, is this truly a person who is experiencing empathy, which is to say that they're almost an open vessel for emotions without discrimination or is it that this is a person who uh like is usually the case has their own sadness that they need to address and then projects it onto the world says it's coming from outside of me mm -hmm. when really that's just the mirror reflecting to them based on the question i think it sounds like the latter so let's answer as if it's the latter sure well I'll, I'll try to do both so if you're an empathetic person a truly empathetic person um yeah, I don't know. That can get overwhelming because I have heard stories of people that are like, look, I just feel what other people feel. Yep. And this this is like a thing in the spiritual community. I've never experienced it, but I'm not the guy to answer that yeah, question. Yeah. So, to the Well, point. you could also just control the, I mean, not control, but in theory, to the extent that that were the case, when you got sad because you watched a video mm -hmm. about a cat dying, you could just go watch a video about, about cats it. dancing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you feel just as happy, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So like my suggestion, if she is an empath, is help her have more control over what she consumes yep. because if she's feeling disproportionately sad and dislikes it then she's probably consuming a disproportionate amount of sad stuff if she's truly empathetic mm -hmm. right so it's just like help her to find herself watching things that bring her joy yes now if this is a case of sadness well i'd like you to go first because i have my own weird emotional mastery style of dig in but you might have a more practical quicker solution i'm a big believer in don't change filter so yeah. I've never dated anybody that I would describe as um, constantly sad. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They might be constantly a pain or constantly angry, mm. but I can't think of anybody that I've ever dated that is like that because that particular thing would just be a turnoff to me. Yeah. Um, so I don't have any experience with that. 
So one exercise, and I mean, I, I date, I date sad girls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you and I are different. <laughs> like, you and I are different. This is what I do. You love that. Yeah. Um, one thing that I will suggest to them is I'll say, okay, close your eyes. You're sad about that puppy, that person, that thing. Their problem is your problem. I want you to take a deep breath and another deep breath. And I want you to ask yourself if, and just wait. I don't want you to think this answer. I want you to wait for the answer to arise. Is this problem truly coming from outside of me or is it reflective of something inside? And just see what comes back. And you can phrase that in your own way, right? Is this, is this, uh, is this just about Jenny's dog? Or is there something else? You know, you could frame it, frame it however. And if the person, you know, they'll take, take a break and it's not a thought, it's not an explanation. It's a surging of a feeling. It's an, intu- it's an intuition is what it is. And you go, it's something else. Okay, and you go, okay, you're not, you might not like this part. <laughs> uh, what is it? <laughs> you know, and you'll get some answer that seems, it's my dad. It's, you know, it's my, it's this, it's that person who said something. It's, it's my, oh my God, I have this pain in my back. Okay, what's the pain in the back? And what you'll quickly find is that there is a, there are root causes and there might be many of them, but the difference between these and everyone else's problems is that everyone else's problems are endless and can never be solved. Your problems are much stickier, but they are finite. And so as you begin to go through them and unravel them, they, other people's problems just seem less grabbing to you because what you're addressing is the actual issue. Well, and it can take times, some time to go through this. It can take like weeks and months and occasions, years of various different things. A lot of times if, it's, if it is someone whose empathy mm-hmm. skews sad, it's that, that that external sadness is actually meant to distract from the internal from sadness. The internal so sadness. it serves a very, very useful function. Yep. So it's not that the external sadness becomes less. It's that they need it less. Yes. Yes. Uh, and what you'll find is that th- that distraction then, what they'll recognize having gone through this process to a greater degree, is the, is the amount to which other people's problems are their responsibility. And what they'll tend to find is that, like, I'm here. I'm available, but I cannot do it for you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And the degree to which I try to solve your problem is the degree to which you do not get over this problem. So mm-hmm. like, I'm here. I want you to know I'm here. I ain't go- I'm not going anywhere. And when you're ready for assistance in moving through this, I will work you through this process myself. But like, I can't do it for you. Um, and so, yeah, that's it's a longer process. But I think ultimately that is the one that if if someone is constantly finding that the world is triggering them, you've got filter what you see. And then address the internal, uh, like Velcro that hooks onto those things. Mm-hmm. Those are two broad options. Cool. Cool. Yep. Um, next, <clears throat> we have a question from Nun, aka Ahmad from the Colin. Mm. Uh, he says, "In the past, Charlie has talked about self-love and has given the resemblance to a table with supporting legs, and something along the lines of self-love should support the table rather than the shaky and unstable legs of friendships slash relationships. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering to which extent have you personally achieved this in your own life and whether it's even possible to reduce dependency over people. Where's the line there? I believe it's evolutionary that we can't get over being alone or not having any meaningful friendships and so on because we evolved to live in groups to survive. It's hard for me to wrap my head around self-love, even though I like to spend time alone. I still can't see myself being completely fine when I lose friendships, for example, just because I love myself. What's the clear actionable privilege of self-love that's worth promoting? I get that maybe if actions stem from self-love, perhaps they would have more quality, but still I don't have a clear vision of that. Perhaps I can be the, perhaps I have the wrong concept of self-love, but maybe you can elaborate further. So I'll start. The degree to which I have it in my life is certainly not complete. Like... 
uh, I rely on. And you can tell if you are made upset by the things other people do, you know, comments or uh, not inc being included in things or, you know, like, you could, okay, well, if that's upsetting to me, then clearly I'm leaning on that to a degree. So I would say not complete. I would say since I've made that video more self-reliant, um, but the value of self-love is that the reason that would one would want it like it is because I do think it, it's a sense of that you're enough exactly as you are, is that you do not need the approval of other people. That's not to say that you don't have relationships with other people. You could still enjoy uh, deeply a relationship, but the need for them to feel a certain way, remain in your life, be attached, uh, the, the fear that they wouldn't be there just doesn't hit you that mm -hmm. way. Um, so it's a sense that you have enough, you'll be enough, and you feel a sense of safety and security in knowing that it's all good. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing that you can take from me because I don't need anything from you. And as much as I would like you to come at me with kindness and compliments and love, like I don't require that of you. And then you can start to actually influence people tremendously because you're not seeking to trade with them. Mm -hmm. You have only love to give, which is transformative, as opposed to being like, well, you used to give me a compliment and then I'll say something nice to you back. That's just an alliance, which is, I think, really where I do live my life most of the time. Well, I think the opposite of self-love is not healthy relationships. I think the opposite of self-love is codependence. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, oftentimes people will think, oh, if I maximize self-love, I'll become a hermit. But that's not the case, right? Totally. I'm sure that you have things that you like. I like basketball, but I can go a year without playing it, right? Basketball is something I'm not addicted to, but enjoy. If you had infinite self-love for yourself, you might choose not to hang out with people that weren't additive to your life because now you didn't need other people's validation. Mm -hmm. So you could go a week by yourself full of joy, but when given the opportunity to spend time with someone that is additive to your life, you'll take it in the same way that I say yes when invited to play basketball. Without self-love, it becomes codependent and it is addictive in the sense that you will feel anxious or or self-loathing if you don't force yourself to find time for other people so that they can try to fill your empty love cup, mm -hmm. uh, which is just a worse experience for them and for you. So self-love is not uh, antithetical to spending time with other people. It's actually the best way to have healthy relationships. Mm -hmm. No, you're 100% right, I, I believe, at least. Like, I've read The Book of Joy, which is the story of the last meeting the Dalai Lama had with Archbishop Desmond Tutu. And they were friends because they'd done similar work in different parts of the world, and they would go years without seeing each other. And it's, you know, they come together, they're stoked, they're laughing, they're cracking jokes the whole time, they hug, they're going to miss each other, and then, but they don't suffer in the same way when apart, mm -hmm. you know, like, still completely capable of friendship and camaraderie and connection, but also not fearful of losing it. Not lonely. You yes. can miss someone yes. without being lonely. Yes. And when you're lonely, now this negative emotion has become your fuel to see other people. Mm -hmm. That's due to a lack of self-love. Yes. Um, and that, that was another point that I wanted to call it that you had said, which is, see if I'm getting this right. Yeah, that, that when you lack self-love, so much of your motivation is about what can other people give to me. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'll do for you in order to get it. Like, oh, let me do this favor for you so that you say thank you and appreciate me. As opposed to- So that you to, like me, so that, so that like I don't me. feel yeah, alone. Yeah, 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 so that I don't feel alone, so that I'm reassured that you need me and can't leave me and will have to be in my life in the future. Mm -hmm. As opposed to when the, the degree to which you have more self-love is the degree to which you genuinely have more to give unconditionally. Mm -hmm. It's like, 
here's this meal. You didn't say thank you. It was a pleasure to cook it and a pleasure to watch you enjoy it all the same. Mm -hmm. Or um, it wasn't, and now you'll stop doing things yeah, you yeah, don't yeah, yeah, enjoy yeah. <laughs> just because you want other people's validation yes. so badly. Yes. And I was like, oh, I won't cook that meal anymore. You yeah. know, no sweat. Like, <laughs> I'm going to go get. So that that's the advantage of, I think, moving in that direction is uh, just a state of well-being that is less shakable mm -hmm. than I'm as happy as people approve of me, which is a very difficult place to be, even though there's highs when you're getting that approval. Mm -hmm. Cool. So patrons, thank you guys so much. If you guys would like to hop in to our Patreon, the, when we hit 900, I think we do another episode every 10 days. Mm -hmm. But regardless, and we are answering patron questions. I was going to say, we're doing something new. So not every patron question can make it onto the podcast, but we've decided we're going to, until it gets crazy, mm -hmm. answer every patron question. So if you become a patron, then you post a question, we will get you a video. And that'll start with the next podcast. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right, thank you everybody. You guys are awesome. If you wanna join Emotional Mastery, links in the description. You want a Patreon, you wanna do the charity water, all that's in the description. If you'd like to hop in, we would love to hear from a different voice. Justin, thank you for- Yeah, thanks Justin. Thanks for being our- Thanks for not being us. <laughs> our different. And uh, we'll see you guys in two weeks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.